Oh, I gotta get. <laughs> I got. I told Brian. He's like, make sure you just make uh take good notes on time codes and things for me. Oh yeah, yeah, that's definitely. And I'm like, thing. ooh, yeah, I guess I should get a paper and pad here. Okay. That's something I would definitely fail at. <laughs> I'm gonna forget. That's what I mean. Um, like I, I'd just be like talking and talking and talking, and then something would happen, and I'd go to write down a time code thirty seconds after it happened, and be like, ah, well, I missed that one. I also haven't been writing any time codes down for, like, possibly usable stuff for the cold open, but... Well, he's got 20, 27 minutes of shit to listen to to find some stuff. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. I just, uh, we'll figure, that we'll, we'll, we'll get better at this as time goes on, I promise. I mean, we can just come up with something to get him used to cold open right at the end here. We can, I don't know. Oh, now, now, now we're now on the... pressure. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, I... Fing fingers crossed we don't screw up. That's that's the best we got. You guys had one job. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and His Super Friends. I am not Brian Labick, but I am one of your co-hosts for this evening, Josh Zorch. Joining me uh, as my other co-conspirator is uh, a person who, insert quippy intro here, Mike Bradley. That's so much more polite than the shit Brian always gives me. <laughs> it really, I mean... I've always been curious of what his source is. Uh, I, I partially want to imagine him like sitting around all week trying to think things up himself and like i'd lo I'd love to see like the rejection list like what did he write down like two or three things for each of us what did he cross off i feel like he's got a list where it's like oh that wasn't mean enough for mike we gotta let, <laughs> let, let, let's try and be more more ridiculous on that one and then uh, you think he, you think he workshops it he like sends it off to some people uh, like, I, I feel like andy's always sounding like a superhero and you know, you're always sounding, I don't know, studious or something he tries to throw your way. Mm. Ian's kind of random, and then mine is always just like, and here's the shithead <laughs> that's uh, joining us for the evening. Well, that is not the capacity <laughs> that you're serving this this evening, sir. Uh, well, you don't know that yet. Uh, that, that is true. <laughs> we, As Brian said uh, at the uh, end of last episode, what do you say? The uh, inmates are running the nuthouse tonight. Yeah. Um, so, uh, listeners, thanks for coming on the journey with us today. Uh, this is the third uh, occasion in which Mike and I will be doing this. But to you guys, it's actually only going to be the second because uh, Mike and I lost the second episode. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Uh, okay, fine. I will, I will own it. I accidentally crashed and corrupted the file on my end, which resulted... In the material being lost. The, the file of my end still exists out there. Brian probably still has that somewhere that he could play for you. It just wouldn't make any sense. That's fine. Yeah, listeners, if you, if you, you know, start a hashtag campaign, if you want to hear Mike's one-sided conversation 
about a, a topic with no other response and lots of gaps of silence in between him speaking, you you go out and do that. Send send some notes to Bryguy and his super friends at gmail.com. Is that what send, it is? Send, are, you, are you sure that's the actual gmail.com address? I'm pretty sure I've heard him say it many times enough. I actually didn't bother getting his whole, like, outro spiel from him to make sure I got it right. But well, I'm sure probably, he'll put it in I mean, at the end. He's, he's gotten so little to no communication through that anyway that it can't really make a difference. I want to start emailing it daily. You should. Just send, like, Jack Handy quotes. Oh, it's going to be way worse than that. <laughs> it's not gonna be that polite <laughs> think like michael scott meets like dirk diggler just sending shit to him just for nice. the hell of it all the, all the all the office forwards yeah and i'm gonna do it from like six different emails so he doesn't even know it's me of like yesteryear when when yeah people the at, at work or relatives mouth. would just spam me with email forwards yeah yeah cute cats and monkeys doing <laughs> stupid shit that well, as jovial as we are sounding right now, uh, listeners, we are here for a very serious and spooky reason. Uh, Mike and I are convening for our, what we meant to be semi-annual perhaps, but has right now turned into an annual tradition uh, in the fall season of giving all of you awareness and information about this upcoming season's scary movies horror movies spooky films um little background on this we we uh did get one out to you guys we we kicked this off really for the first time a little over two years ago uh you can check out episode 163 uh of bright guy and his super friends that was released in uh, on august the 4th of 2019 uh the fun fact about the follow-up to that is mike and i tried to record uh, as we mentioned a couple minutes ago, we tried to record a second episode, which we did in early 2020 pre-COVID, that was meant to be sort of the spring and summer preview of horror movies. Uh, but as things went shit ways on my end, uh, we lost the show, so we, we didn't get it out there. And uh, this is the first time we are getting back to it. Uh, I, to be fair, though, mostly, I mean, the rest of 2020 hardly had anything releasing to talk about. And honestly, a lot of the movies we talked about didn't come out. Right. And got <laughs> most of them got delayed or they yeah. went straight to video eventually. Who knows what's happening with some of them. So we'd have been getting you hyped for something um, that just wasn't going to happen, which exactly. we're going to talk so about maybe... eventually on this list about how hyped I was for one of these that just hasn't happened yet. I'm still waiting. <laughs> but, but hopefully coming soon. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, maybe the, fate, the fates intervened, um, and the, and they knew we would get back to it someday, and here we are. So this is, I get, I mean, I don't even know what to call it. It's like like version two point five, sort of. This is our try and hoping Brian lets us keep doing it. Beautiful, I love it. We're gonna run with it. Yeah. Um. So how we're gonna run this, folks, is uh, there are a couple of movies uh that have already been out there for you um either in theaters or or a few of them might be on streaming options by this point uh typically the quote scary movie season uh can kick in as early as august and uh, a few of those releases have come and some of them have gone already uh but coming soon probably you could get them on digital platforms pretty soon i would imagine yeah. uh, and then after we hit a few of those um 
we'll give you yeah sort of the upcoming slate in through october november december and into early 2022 uh we'll give you a little bit of background on each of them uh if either of us have seen any of these yet we'll give you some of our quick thoughts on them and and move on um be prepared this is gonna maybe feel we're not sure maybe a little bit of like a quick roller coaster on each we're gonna try to keep the ball rolling and uh you know only maybe hit about a five minute discussion for each of them so strap in and i guess here we go are you ready well i was gonna say you know what you said there you can usually gauge the start of the scary movie season by about the time everybody starts putting pumpkin and everything it's about the Ah, same time you know people associate pumpkins and scary movies it's a thing i'm okay with that correlation because i don't like pumpkin and the only the only pumpkin thing i like are pumpkin seeds like cooked pumpkin seeds good too right but i i don't actually like pumpkin itself i don't like pumpkin spiced anything i don't like pumpkin pie uh and this year especially yeah i noticed that all the pumpkin spice shit was everywhere by like mid-august it's getting earlier man it is, but but you make a good point. If that starts to correlate, like if, if 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 they start pushing that back, and it's like July fourth, and like all of a sudden, hey, July fifth, we got pumpkin spice. If that means that I get my scary movies starting July fifth, I I can compartmentalize that. I can I can deal with that. See, I'm in the boat where I I take pumpkin spice and scary movies all year long. I'd be fine with both <laughs> all year. I you know. Here's the thing. Pumpkin spice, it's a little overplayed for the time that it's around, but that's because it's only around a short time. That's why they're expanding. That's why they push it, it out and they're like, you know only what? Only around we need a to... short time. Well, that's why it's expanding. It's because it got mm. overplayed in that short time. You had to get it in all in that time and you got overloaded on it. But when you just have it around when you want it, you know, it's always, if it was always there, you could just grab it whenever you actually felt like it, as opposed to being forced to, like, oh, it's that season. But I get why, you know. I mean, it's when pumpkins are good to harvest. It's it's squash season, folks. You you've you've heard it here first, folks. How, how pump, pumpkin spice? Mike Bradley says, "Grab it when you want it." Yeah, yeah that's it, the tagline. Always, the pumpkin industry can have that one for free. Same with coffee, any day. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're gonna start uh, in mid-August, uh, August thirteenth. We got a sequel to 2016's "Don't Breathe." Uh, very creatively called Don't Breathe 2, with no subtitle. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what you would have said, like, still breathing? But no, I, that's I the know, opposite like, of what you would that. say. You'd say, like, um, hold your breath, maybe. Keep holding, or, like, like I don't know, drown. <laughs> I, I, I got suffocation. Um, I think we, we, we got something here. We're gonna, we're gonna workshop that. Um... The sequel to Don't Breathe was directed by Rodo Sayaguez. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but I am trying. Um, He was a co-writer and co-producer of the first Don't Breathe, along with his uh, production partner, Fred Alvarez, who co-wrote with him and did direct the first movie. So they kind of swapped director roles here. Um, the two of them both previously worked on the Evil Dead remake in 2013, and they both have upcoming uh, story credits and producer credits on something we're going to talk about later in the show, which is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, reboot, remake, whatever the words are now. We'll get to that later. Um, 
the, really, as far as I could tell, uh, the only returning character for this sequel from Don't Breathe is Stephen Lang as the blind man. And uh, Mike, you you said you have not seen this sequel yet, but have, did, did you see the first yes. Don't Breathe from 2016? I did. Okay, generally favorable or unfavorable view of it? Neither. Kind of middle of the road. Like, it was okay. It was good enough. You know what I mean? It, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. In my opinion, you know what I mean? That that was yes. kind of where I fell with it. Like, you know, it, it had a good premise, but it felt, I don't want to say boring, but, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it had tense moments and then lots of boring. And then tense moments <laughs> and lots of boring. Um, that, That's the way I remember it. I don't remember, like, all the little details at this mm-hmm. point. It's been so long since I watched it. Um, yeah. but I remember, you know, not being, not having strong feelings about it, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, I would say we, we only, we, we saw it in theaters. We only saw it once. Um, I think I was surprised at how much I liked it that time, but I haven't gone back and watched it since. And I don't know if I would feel like, I, I think it has a little bit, the first one especially has, has a good rewatchability factor, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I guess same thing. Like it didn't set the world on fire and it it was more enjoyable than I was anticipating at the time I saw it, but it wasn't groundbreaking. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Lang is entertaining one way or another. The guy is an intimidating grandpa. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's the only way I can think to describe him. It's like, he's like the grandpa that's extremely stern that you don't want to fuck with because he's going to get pissed. He's probably drunk. You know, it, like he just looks like that kind of guy, like an ex-marine that drinks a lot these days. You don't, you know, you don't want to. He has that look to me, like you, you know. I'm with you. My grandfather had that, so it fucks me up. Like it, <laughs> you know. This movie's actually scary to me for a different reason. It's oh, I gotcha. So was uh, so you didn't see this yet. Um, no. Do you, do you just not have an interest, or like if this was right, like was it a COVID choice? Was it, if this was regular times, might you have had more interest? Um. I tend not to see as many horror movies in the theater, which I think I've stated before. Mm-hmm. I prefer to watch horror movies at home. Okay. I feel like, you know, at home, in the dark, they have a better ambiance. I don't... The suspense and all that that they try and go for a lot of the time doesn't hit me as much in the theater as it does at home. Okay. Fair, fair. Um, So I try to watch more of them at home, and this one just is still like $20 or something to rent. Yeah, yeah. So it just, I'm just kind of waiting until I can pay four bucks or whatever to watch it. Okay. So it it is potentially something that you want to get around to eventually. Oh, absolutely. It's not like you've written it off. There's not a horror movie they make I won't watch. So (laughs) in this case, this is probably much higher production quality, it looks like, from the trailer. Mm -hmm. You know, like my notes for it, which I'll get to before I guess you get to yours, since yours will be more in depth. As I said, like, this time it looks like they're trying to do a Daredevil meets John Wick kind of thing. Um, mm. Which is awesome. Like, I like, I hope you've seen it. You can tell me. I hope mm-hmm. there's some really awesome action sequences here that they play on because I feel like they're setting those up and I want to see them. Gotcha. Um, so we're, like, at our, like, about two-minute warning for, for Don't Breathe, so I'll, I'll hit mine quickly. Um I would say yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely probably punched up 
the the action sequences in terms of uh like i feel in the first one things almost seemed very contained to a smaller area yes right i mean like the whole thing basically takes place in the house and it's like a thing happens in a room and then something moves to another room later this one plays with the space more um makes the space bigger um the the one thing that i i will definitely say is i i i was unsure but kind of surprised that they they did find a wedge for the story to like I, at first i thought like how do you sequelize this like what do you where do you go with it um, i thought that they, when i saw it too that they were doing a second one it was like what are you doing yeah exactly where do you go so yeah and they they found a way to do it without making you really care or worry that much about potential continuity problems or like well you know what was left unresolved how did that get from a to b etc the okay. one thing i will say just in case you wouldn't pick up on it but I, I i want the listeners to hear this definitely um brendan sexton the third plays the other lead role in this movie do you know who that is uh, what were they in the trailer that uh maybe I actually don't recall. I okay. haven't. I actually watched the trailer in like two months. No, but I, that I actor, have no fucking clue who Brendan that actor Sexton is. Sexton the third is. Yes. Well, Brendan Sexton the third is Warren from Empire Records. I don't know if that means anything to you, but to the few who might be listening who it love Empire Records like I do, a long time since I saw Empire Records. So uh, when remind me Warren. <laughs> Like it's been um, a long, he's, like it's probably been ten years since I watched that movie. I love that movie, but it's not. He's the younger kid who's the shoplifter that they catch who okay. comes back later to hold up the store. Serious? Like, has he had other roles since then, or is it? He like... has. No, he has. I've looked, and it's actually been in a few. He was in um three billboards, uh, in Ebbing, Missouri, which was like a oh, couple years okay. ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you look at his IMDb, like the dude has worked steadily. Okay. He's um, just never like a lead. He's just no. He's and just and there. and when the movie started, and I'm looking at his face, I'm like, I know who that is. Who is that? Who is that? And it's Warren. Twenty six years later, you know, I can't remember the character's name. But when you said Warren, for some uh-huh. reason, I was thinking something about Mary. And like, was that that guy's name? The guy, like the baseball guy. Now I'm doing what you just did, where it's been so long since I've seen that, I don't recall. Same. Like, I I feel like his name might have been Warren. It might have been. But, it, it, I don't know. But, yeah, that that's actually a crazy pull to find that this guy was from Empire yes. Records as a kid. And I, I'm looking at his face, and I'm like, I know that face. I know that. And I looked him up. I'm like, yep, that's freaking Warren. So That's awesome. If anybody would potentially be considering Don't Breathe too, and you might be on the fence, and you're an Empire Records fan, it is Warren in a lead role as a quasi bad guy and it's pretty amazing to watch so that's definitely something that seems strange from the trailer is that like i feel like they did that in the first movie too but i can't remember exactly it's that they played it as like morally ambiguous almost yes and that's i think the best way and really the only way to play the blind man as a sequel because they you you think about halfway through that they're trying to convert him to an anti-hero and really by the end i at least i felt because that that was going to disappoint me because i'm like no this this is a bad dude yeah if i remember correctly he had like in the first one he had the girl chained up in the basement right yes 
Yeah, no, yes. that's a bad guy. He's period. a bad guy. And I, 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 at least I feel that by the end of the second one, they they kind of pull back from that and, and let you see, like, okay, he might have done a good thing in in some way for this person in this sequel, but he's still the bad guy at heart. It was like, oh, you that's know, good. Who, that's who's, good. who's the worst of two evils in this situation? It's okay. the other people, but he's still the bad guy. But That's good, because I, I yeah. was worried about that, because I was watching the trailer, and I'm like, are they trying to play him like a fucking superhero? Like, <laughs> the way that they played it, right. I was and, and like, since worried. He's the only, like, since hmm. he's the only returning character, like, how else do you market that? How else do you set up the situation? Because otherwise oh, it yeah. just seems like the same thing. Like, oh, it's a home invasion, and he's blind, but he can do things. Like, that. that's... He has a certain set of skills. That's yeah, exactly. That's how they had to to sort of re refocus the the look of it. But um, yep. So that that is don't breathe too. Um, we'll move on to our next. So the only reason I'm going to bring up this next movie, Mike, it's called Demonic. I it it, it apparently released on in in some theatrical sense um, on August the twentieth. It bypassed me. I never heard of it until I was putting together material for for this show. Sure. The reason I'm bringing it up. Um, is because I was I, I was shocked to find that it was written and directed by Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. When I was watching the trailer, I saw that and I said, oh, wow. Yes. And, I, and listeners, there is a trailer out there to look at. Does the Neil Blomkamp sound familiar? I hope it does to you. This is the creator, the writer-director of District 9, Elysium, Chappie, uh, a, an, an alien sequel movie that we will never get because uh, uh, Ridley Scott effed up his plans <laughs> for the last couple of years. Um, but I, I'm a pretty diehard Blomkamp fan. District 9, I think, is one of the best movies, original movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, so when I saw him like just do a straight-out horror movie that's kind of like a possession, supernatural-type thing, like that definitely caught my attention, and, and so I definitely stopped and looked at it. You know, I honestly I hadn't heard of it until you put it on the list. Same kind of thing. I watched this trailer and I said, "What the fuck is going on here?" And mm -hmm. I like now like the trailer pulled me into the point where I'm intrigued enough that I'm definitely watching this very soon. Uh huh. Because they're 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 you know it's almost like some kind of mocap thing going on. That they're doing for some, I guess, virtual reality type of situation. It looks like at the very start of the trailer, and then they're yeah somehow demons get involved in Catholicism somehow as well because we have upside down crosses involved in the trailer a few times. I don't know what's going on, but I want to fucking find out. Like it looks, yeah, like it. Fucking it was such a, a mix of elements that I was not expecting to see in uh uh a possession type of scary movie right there. There's, I wrote down my note was like, there's this like technology that they have that they try to connect a daughter and her mother into this like temporal simulation within both of their minds. But the, the look of it um, that they create is like it, it there there's, I don't even know what to call it. Feedback. Do you remember, uh, do you remember the movie, uh, a scanner darkly? Yeah. It like, it kind of felt like it had an, like, like a shade of that almost like, animation over people yeah, look they, like to it, it it had like the feedback look like yes, the, the yes. digital feedback that just is like oh yeah i mean like i know you don't game as much but that to me would like look like a laggy online video game 
Oh, okay. okay. You know, like with online lag, it's like, oh, that that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, like that, like that's the aesthetic that they create when they go into this temporal world that they're connected in. Um, but then at some point, they also introduce the uh, notion of like soldier priests. Yeah. Into this, and I'm like, holy shit! There's all kinds of stuff happening here. I'm really interested. Yeah. It it I had no idea what it was, but I'm hooked. I want to watch it now. Yeah. Um. I think one of the this this is one that uh, I I could only find um available i think on some streaming platforms yeah at at this point um i think if you go to your amazon your voodoo th- those types of things um i think it's like a six or seven buck rental right now but it's standard a, for like ifc type stuff uh, yeah then that's the other thing yeah it's an ifc film um if you're a blomkamp fan if you like the 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 science fiction type of stuff he's done before and 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 you also like horror movies at all? I think the mesh of these two um, could be just just interesting. Like I'm not sure whether it's going to be good or not, but I know it's going to be interesting. Yes, I agree. Um, so yeah, take a look at that. Um, any closing remarks for Demonic? No. Cool, cool. Uh, moving along, we have uh, three more on the list tonight that are already theatrically released. Uh, before we get to those that are future upcoming stuff. The first of the last three is a movie called The Night House, which also released um, on August 20th. The uh, writing team of Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski, um, who are both working on a Hellraiser remake currently. Uh, and this was direct... Oh, and that will also be directed by David Bruckner, who directed this movie, The Night House. Um, of note, the only thing I could really find of Bruckner to mention uh, is he's listed as a director on one segment of the first VHS movie. Okay. Uh, Wait, he has some does others, it say which one? Uh, it did, but I don't have that handy. Okay, that's fine. I was going to say, some of those were really good and some of them weren't in the first VHS. That's that is okay. very true. That's okay. That is true. Um, but yeah, if you're familiar with the VHS films, it's the first one, um, and he, he directs one of the segments in there. So that team, that writing team, directing team, is going to be working on the Hellraiser remake, and they are bringing you The Night House. Uh, this stars Rebecca Hall of Godzilla vs. Kong, Iron Man 3, The Gift, The Town, The Prestige, Fame. Uh, Sarah Goldberg, um, who, uh, from what I can tell, for all intents and purposes, is a fairly newcomer. And uh, someone else that I wanted to make note of, Vondi Curtis Hall, who listeners of this show may know as... Ben Urich from the season one of Netflix's Daredevil. Um, and I also know him as the uh, beverage vendor from Coming to America who recognizes Akeem as he's standing in line for the bathroom and falls to his knees bowing and then comes back and insists to get his picture taken with him. Is this the original Coming to America or the Coming yes. to America? Nope. Coming to America, okay. 1988. It's so hard to like verbally distinguish between those two <laughs> that um. is true that is true i'm glad you called that out um so as far as i can tell this is a uh, a story where uh, rebecca hall uh has a recently deceased husband and there is a haunted house type of plot involved um looks rather intense to me actually um and, and so something like this could either be kind of cookie cutter and fall flat 
Um, or it could, uh, you know, who knows? It could be like an adrenaline rush the whole time. Um, Mike, have you seen this? No, I've not seen it, but there's a couple things that stand out for me. Um, one of those is that I personally, I believe Rebecca Hall is extremely underrated as an actress. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she should be getting a lot more top end work and seeing her in something like this says to me that one she always delivers a really solid performance in whatever she does so i i'm confident in what in like spending a few dollars to watch this because i know she's at least gonna be good and going from there it looks like a head trip like it, okay it like to me this looks like a film that's gonna fuck with your head and your sense of what the hell is actually happening and it's going to be one of those films that, you know, something's going to happen in the last 10 minutes that changes everything. I, I have that okay. sense about it. Like, there's going to be that thing, whatever the hell it is, in the last 10 minutes that's just going to turn the whole thing on its head. I, I agree. And it, it, from what I can tell, it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's going to be a slow burn no. either. Like, at, at least the way they cut the trailer, it seems like once you get into it, like after the first like 15-ish minutes, maybe 20, it, it feels like the second, you know, the whole like second and third acts are, are going to be pretty intense. The, I like mean, the trailer is intense. End. Like it's... Yeah. Like every bit of that shows like this is... It, it show, I think it shows you a good progression through the film of the things that are going to happen in general, mm -hmm. but it's keeping hidden, you know, I mean, obviously the major plot points that are going to affect the outcome which is you know it's where these movies either fall flat or do really well is how they you know you, you start with this really good premise that they have with this like upside down version of the house basically backwards version or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. how do they play that into making sense some movies you know horror movies are known for this where they have these really good premises and then they just take an absolute shit in the last 10 minutes of the movie because they have no idea how to end it. Yeah, good point. And if if you can turn that into a good ending, you have an excellent film. If you can't, you don't. So I'm very interested to see where this falls. Agreed. Um, we had the opportunity uh, to maybe go see this and Malignant together which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes mm -hmm. um at the drive-in they were paired together at the uh a, a pittsburgh area drive-in this weekend and we decided to stay home and watch malignant and some other bad horror movies just at home <laughs> thanks killing um, did that sh did that turn up not no no it's, well it's way too early in the season for that oh okay not that um, bad though either not oh no 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 <laughs> um but uh yeah i i'm on the one hand after re-watching the trailer in preparation for today i'm kind of sad that we didn't go because like at this point i don't know if we're gonna get out anywhere before it's out of theaters yeah these usually get a short run mm -hmm. and it's already been out at this point uh we're recording this on september 20th so it's already been out for a month yeah and so probably got two weeks squeezed even more so now than before but uh yeah i mean for me it sounds like for yourself as well um hopefully i think we're both sounds like we're both adding it to the uh to watch list I guess this is another one that's been... I remember seeing the advertising for this for the first time a long time ago. And being like, oh, okay. oh I definitely want to watch that. And then it was something that was like delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. 
just like everything else. Mm-hmm. But I, like I, I can remember over a year ago seeing, I guess the same trailer I watched today in preparation for the show. It like I would guess over a year ago when I first saw the trailer. So gotcha. It, it's something that has had my interest for a while. I see. So it's finally, finally, no pun intended, seen the light of day, and uh, so if, if you're interested in this stuff, make sure you get out and catch it or look for it on digital when it is available. Um, so hitting our next one, I think we might spend an extra minute or two on this. Uh, our next entry is a very much anticipated, uh, I, what I thought going in was a reboot, but turned out to be a direct spiritual sequel. Same. Uh, this is this is Candyman. Uh, the Jordan Peele produced Candyman update uh, was released on August the 27th. And uh, just some quick production notes about this. It was originally, again, this was a COVID delay. This was originally supposed to be out in, I think, June of 2020 uh, originally. And it got pushed, 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 pushed. And finally, you know, 14 months later, uh, we get it. Um, as I said, it was produced by Jordan Peele of, you know, Get Out and Us and Key and Peele fame. But uh, it was written by himself, Wynn Rosenfeld, and uh, director Nia DaCosta. Uh, DaCosta, uh, the only thing I could see really before this that was a feature or, or anything of, of, of note was uh, she wrote and directed a film called Little Woods in 2018 uh, but that I believe has uh, Tessa Thompson and oh, I'm forgetting uh, Lily James Lily James um, this movie upon its release it's both I think something to celebrate as well as giving us the perspective of like really that's kind of terrible um, the opening weekend of Candyman has given at least I, I guess you could say US box office for the very first time, a film directed by a black woman opened at number one. Oh, okay. For the very first time. Um, which is obviously kudos to her. But again, like, really? It took this long? That sucks. Um, but, you know, for, for the acclaim that I think it's getting, I, I haven't really heard a, a, a lot of bad reviews about this. Um, right. And it was around the time that the film was originally supposed to get released in, in the summer of 2020, that news was coming out that Marvel studios was talking to Nia DaCosta about directing a project. And a few months later that got confirmed over the winter of 2020 and 2021 that she will be, or is uh, directing the upcoming captain Marvel sequel called Marvels. the Marvels, yeah. which we should get in November of 2022. Um, so she is, 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 has a springboard to her career right now. And you know what? Good for her. Cause after seeing this, um, I think she, she deserves it. Uh, let's talk about cast really quickly and then we'll dive into our thoughts. Um, Yaya, uh, Abdul Mateen, the second, uh, who a lot of people will know as black Manta from Aquaman and as, uh, Dr. Manhattan from HBO's Watchmen, uh, Tayona Paris, uh, who has a much longer uh, resume than I, I realized, uh, but who we know more recently from WandaVision as the current uh, grown-up Monica Rambo, who will be rejoining Nia in the Marvels uh, coming up. 
Nathan Stewart Jarrett, uh, who plays uh, Tayona's brother in the film, uh, Coleman Domingo, and I'm mentioning Vanessa Williams because no, it's not that Vanessa Williams, <laughs> but it is another actress named Vanessa Williams who is the only actor or actress in a in a on-screen capacity to uh come back from the original Candyman from I'd have to look at the year again. I think the original Candyman was like 1991, 1992, something like that. So we're going on nearly 30 years um and she comes back reprising the same role. Um so that that is our our cast and uh, as I said this this ended up being a direct sequel to the original. So this is one of those projects uh similar to Halloween uh that we're going to talk about where they just assume, you know, they're they're ignoring any sequels that were made. Candyman 2, Candyman 3 that were made in the 90s. This ignores I, those storylines. Did they ignore 2? I, I they mean, have as, her as, come out of the fire. Everything that I've seen written about it kind of claims that that's how it's following. Okay, and, I'm just and, saying, we, like, we they show watched. the image that you get at the start of Candyman 2 of her with, like, the burned scalp. You see that image. Uh, yeah, that's true, I guess. So, like, uh, that's what threw me off as to whether or not they were, like... Because the rest of the story kind of ignores it, but they give you that imagery of her in the way they made her look in Candyman 2 as the Candy Woman. I don't know how to... What to phrase... Yeah, what the yeah. correct moniker is. Um, I guess that's it's kind of arguable. I think the main through lines is is assuming that anything that is depicted in the sequels the original sequels is is irrelevant that's fair that's fair okay go ahead um so yeah and and it sounded like you were not prepared for that either like i said i thought this was a complete remake i was thinking the same thing and i guess my thoughts on it in general one you you talked about the cast yaya abdul mateen i need to see this guy in more he is fucking fantastic and everything he's been in like even in aquaman he's wearing this fucking stupid suit that they put him in (laughs) and he still manages to make the character work you know yeah but here he kills it again like his work in this movie i think you know i'm not somebody that's going to determine who gets an oscar but i feel like his work in this movie is worthy of a nomination at the very least. Okay. Um his descent from you know a normal everyday struggling artist into what it becomes is incredibly well done. He portrays it perfectly. Um but as you said with the whole like it being actually a sequel to the original thing. I think there's a couple like comments I would have. I think this is a fantastic film. You know, I think this is a film that is worthy of note that is it's going to I think it'll get some awards somewhere because it deserves them. But as a horror film and as I guess there's a couple different things that happen here for me, and it, it comes back to my ideas about Jordan Peele's movies, mm-hmm. where I feel like Get Out 
and this movie fall into the same category of really goddamn good movies that never scared me. Okay, yeah, I guess they, they, these are excellent movies, and they're in the horror genre, but they don't. I don't know. The horror never builds up. Us, however, mm-hmm. had the suspense and all that going a hundred percent for it. Now I understand mm-hmm. this also is not a Jordan Peele directed film, right? Which his association with it, though, as a producer, adds a certain expectation, and, and a co-writer, right? Yeah, it, it adds that expectation. That I feel like it choosing to be a sequel as opposed to a reboot hampered the creativity that we know him for. Because mm, he okay. had to exist within a mythos that already existed. Uh, sure, yeah. You know, So I feel like the creativity was there and he used what he had to to make it work, but he had to work with what already existed. Which, no offense to the original Candyman, awesome horror movie. The writing was very lackluster. You know, I mean, it was like, oh, this happened and blah, blah. Okay, now you say his name and you you die. I feel like that was just mashed together ideas that wound up being Candyman. They they had the idea of like Bloody Mary meets, you know, (sighs) so many different ideas just all in one. Well, when Sarah and I had never seen the the sequels, the original sequels, so we... I saw two. I've still never seen three. Same. We actually did the exact same thing in the last couple weeks. Um, But in revisiting the first two, I learned something I didn't know previously, which is Candyman is based off a Clive Barker short story. Yes. So, and I've never read it, so I don't know how much of the specifics are already laid out in his right. story and then how much they really expanded out to make the, the, the full story or not. Um, I, I, I feel, uh, I'll try to make this succinct is I, I appreciate the storytelling, like the return to a certain type of storytelling that Jordan Peele and his production company are trying to do, which is, and this is going to sound counterproductive because this is a sequel to something existing, but in a way, I don't get the sense that, like, Get Out was ever meant to be sequelized. Same with Us. Right. And and to a certain extent, this. I Even though like this no, piggybacks I... on something that already existed. Like, I like the idea... Oh, see, that... I think this is. Well, at the... At the, the I think we see the, a sequel some of to the, this. It, it could... It, well, while it could be, I I like that... This this is a standalone movie though. You oh, could it do stands more on its own. You could Absolutely. you could pick up something else and run with it, given the new things and the new ideas that they introduced. But not every single thing that they're producing is approached to BIP. Right, and and that's it's a good a thing movie. because it's they're not a story. Right, they're not producing it that way. Yes, and, and, and that's I a good appreciate thing. that. However, in this case. I think we could see a much more horror-driven sequel mm-hmm. with Yahya Abdul-Mateen reprising his role as the Candyman mm-hmm. in a much more malevolent state. I, I think you could, and if I they think that to would go be that cool because I it, it could, and I, I if they happen to, I like the idea that they introduced where 
the quote candy man kept getting i'll call it reincarnated into the consciousness as a result of societal conditions right in a way right so there's always an impetus there's a catalyst existing in social circumstances that you know are are social injustice or an act of violence or things occurring in neighborhoods that it creates the candy man it, it, yes yeah right and and it's it's almost like like the ori- and they're not saying that the original Candyman's story and source didn't happen but it is a way for that force to reinvent itself yes. in another it's not always now like I, I like i like the spin that they did where it's not always the character that tony todd plays specifically continuing to rise from the dead and come back and do things it's them manifesting through these other figures every couple of decades because of things happening right in in their sliver of the world and 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 to that end i think you could have yaya do it again because he is you know quote the current candy man um that could be brought on by yet another thing happening well, see, in like a neighborhood, I, in a town. I'd love to see Jordan Peele, in a writing sense, take on the task of finding a way that the Candyman goes off the rails. Mm. So, you know, currently the Candyman's there, and we see the way the Candyman works, fighting injustice. Fi- fighting, you know, killing the people that deserve it for doing the things that they did. Right. Find a way that the Candyman loses focus. You know, like okay. something that Jordan Peele could do. Like, I'm not saying I could do it, but I'm saying, like, find a way that all of a sudden the people you think should be safe. Because, like, th- that would be the problem with doing a sequel from here is we already know the people he's going to go after. True. And, and you're prepared for it. You're ready for it. You know it's going to happen. But if there's a reason that the Candyman goes against that, mm-hmm. if there's something that happens that causes a deviation Mm -hmm. and then everybody's on the menu i like it okay and that's where i think like the horror element and i think what i said to amy right after we watched this movie was that i wish they had got to the point that his character had become the candy man halfway through the film and then or i i wish it was like 15 minutes longer yeah, let some other shit happen with him as the Candyman. Like, I wanted to see him play the Candyman for more than just that final scene. Yeah, like, I feel like his descent to there took up most of the time. Yes. And they either could have... It could have been quicker. They, it could have been quicker, or it could have been... I. I yeah, I don't know. I, I I get what you're saying. One, Give him more to do other. as the character he becomes. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And and it, like I'll say this a, a hundred times, not literally, but mm-hmm. um, the little homage they paid to Tony Todd as he's becoming the Candyman. Yes. That was just like fucking a man. Like you, I loved how they closed that, and I had to I had to look it up. It that. looks at first I thought it was a complete CGI. No, he's there. He's listening to the credits. He, yes, and they they did de-age him. Well, yeah, that to yeah. do that, but and that's why I initially thought it's like, been thirty they just years. Com- yeah, did they completely <laughs> like, CGI him in there? But um, yes, I I loved 
that that solidified the idea that he is the drive he and what he represented was the driving force behind the thing that can have the power if you just call it that power of the candy man yeah in in everybody who who quote needs to have it at certain points right and i i also like like the way they played the candy man they set up in the beginning mm-hmm. is the creepy dude handing candy to kids yes <laughs> like that was like oh man but that they like that was i guess one of the things that made me question things like this creepy dude handing candy to kids you know he kind of became like a folk hero yes. out of it and i'm like he was still a creepy dude and a candy to kids <laughs> like, <laughs> it was it, it was a different time it was more innocent kind of it was it though i feel like they kind of played <laughs> like i'm saying like the portrayal of that person mm-hmm. i don't think they ever gave him a name they just called him the candy man and that's I why we so. know him right. today as the candy man or whatever but I feel like the portrayal of that person was as a creepy possible child molester. Possibly. And, and like, I feel like that's the, the way they portrayed they, like, left it. it. I think they played it ambiguously. So, so that the cops that killed him without a meaning were right. wrong. Right. And you're wondering, was there, even if that's not what was happening in the moment, does that mess with my moral ambiguity? Because I can't automatically compartmentalize that as, well, he didn't do anything wrong this time, but uh, I, I, I quote, I know he did other bad things, so right. I'm not going to feel that, as bad. And they, that, they and muddy the waters. Maybe that's the creativity part of it that Peel had an influence on, is making you think that. Because it's like, man, he definitely looks like the type of guy that would do that shit. Right. You but know, like he gets explicit, that, uh, he gets the yeah. audience reaction to be like, man. And then it's like, well, he still didn't deserve to die. Yeah, agreed. So it like yeah, it it works in that way. Well, we've gushed about Candyman for quite a Absolutely. while, but um, I, I would say it's probably uh definitely a recommendation of us both. One of the highest rated horror movies you're gonna see in a long time, according to a lot of the critics and websites out there. It is so, extremely good. There's probably a good chance you would enjoy it too. Uh, so it is still out in theaters. Um, but it might not be for much longer. Uh, but by Probably by Thanksgiving, it should be available uh, digital and DVD, I would imagine. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, kicking it down the road. Let's let's move on. So the last of the list that we're going to talk about that is currently already theatrically available is nearly brand new. It is Malignant, released uh, both in theaters and, as Brian likes to say, day and date on uh, HBO Max, um, released on September the 10th. I don't credit him with saying that. That's not something that he created. I, I he did not a, invent the day and day. I said he likes to say it, not he say says he invented it. Okay, it. that's fair. although again, I always bring up Gene Simmons and his uh, uh, trademarking the dollar sign satchel bag. So who knows what you can copyright nowadays? Copyright it, Brian. Do it. Yep. Day and date. Make it a thing. You're only allowed to say it if you pay Brian. File the paperwork. Um. So this is written by Akella Cooper, who is a writer on TV shows Grimm, The 100, oh. Netflix's Luke Cage, and the screenwriter for the film Hellfest, which actually Sarah and I, I think, enjoyed. Um, and this is directed by James Wan. If you don't know who a James Wan is, I, I don't know how Why to Why are you, you listening to this? Uh, especially this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> this episode. One of the co- 
co-creators and co-writer directors of the Saw franchise, Insidious franchise, the Conjuring franchise. Uh, the uh, as much as you wouldn't even think of it, he directed one of the Fast and Furious movies, uh, DC's Aquaman, and its coming sequel. He's freaking James Wan. James right? Wan can make movies. Yeah, and yes, if you watch very horror much in the last twenty years, and, and, you and he's shown himself to be very, very eclectic and diverse. Yes. Um, Malignant stars Annabelle Wallace, uh, who you may know from the Annabelle movies from the Mummy remake, and from one of my favorite movies I know uh, of 2018, especially Tag. Yes, Tag. Freaking love that movie. Yeah, I gotta watch that again sometime soon. That's a good one. Um, I think we also have what I'm gonna call another kind of newcomer, Maddie Hassan, uh, George Young, and Nicole Brianna White, who I'm gonna call out because she is a character actor who has, again, a long resume going back to Encino Man, and I had to I had to confirm this one. If you are a Fresh Prince of Bel Air fan, and you are familiar with the episode where the rich girl who wants to get popular buys Will all the gifts before no dumping him and taking way. everything back, that is her. <laughs> I, she, like it, it, I pieced that together in my head from Encino Man in in that episode, and I'm like, oh. yep. She, she's one of she's one of the detectives. Yeah, in, in malignant. Um, so I think Mike and I, this is the last of them uh, that both of I, both of us have been able to see already. Yes. Um, I, I caught it on HBO Max. Um, I believe you did as well, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. Yeah, it's there. It's free. So well, this free. this was, I mean, we'll try to be again succinct because we, we went a bit of time on uh, Candyman. But what what are your thoughts? This there's parts of this that threw me off so much. Okay, so there's a couple things i would want to say um i think this is a decent body horror slash slasher movie okay um it's decent mm -hmm. the twist and all that was predictable but still good and creepy and gross as fuck Agreed. um it, all that worked um i guess the biggest thing i would say about it the first third of this movie had some of the best camera work I've ever seen in a horror movie. Mm, okay. And that went away. It stopped. So they, they panned. So for those of you that haven't seen it, there's camera work in one of the uh, early scenes in the movie where our Annabelle, what's her last name? Wallace. Wallace is being chased through a house on multiple floors and the camera is actually looking at the floor plan of the house from above and it's playing this fucking amazing camera angle on a horror film yes and it does and they play all these really cool camera angles and tricks in the first third of the film and then they stop and they don't show up again and i want like that pissed me off so much i'm watching <laughs> the film like are they gonna do it again are they gonna do it again and they never did it again and it was like you did this really cool, like, you had this amazing idea, and it worked so well early on, and you never went back to it. <laughs> it looked really cool. It's it, like, listeners, it's almost like they took the roof off yeah. the house and looked straight down. And so you could see from room to room as they moved, and the, the wall separation and everything, it was really cool. And that's something horror never does, is show mm -hmm. you everything. Yeah. There's a reason it doesn't do it, but it worked here when they did it in spite of that reason they don't do it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe that was part mm. of it that they, they thought like just that technique 
for the the sequence that they used it for was the way that they could make it effective and and they and you know put, implementing it in other ways wouldn't have you know they wouldn't have pulled it off as well i mean you have that theory and you have my theory that it was too expensive <laughs> to do it over and over again and have it happen more than that in the film but mm-hmm. nonetheless for that beginning of the movie i was extremely impressed with what they were doing um and then you get to the later in the movie and the the slasher part of it where like the movie it t- has kind of a mystery to it early on as to what the hell is happening and then once that is revealed mm-hmm. it turns more into a slasher into just a straight like, there's this thing that's killing sure. people randomly. It doesn't give a shit who it's killing. It just kills. And it was, like, the visuals were fucking cool throughout this whole movie. It, like, Agreed. It, it, I don't know how to describe it. You just have to watch it. Yeah. Because I'd say, like, a backwards person, but it, it doesn't, that doesn't really describe what the hell's happening. No. I don't no, know really. how it, to really say it. No, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And uh, one really cool thing that I learned um, is I still have never been to Seattle in real life. Um, but we looked it up, and in this film, a very short part of it shows that uh, there is a, like, apparently Seattle, if this is real, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, was in somewhere in the past, decades ago, I guess experienced chronic extreme flooding. So city planners eventually started building on top of the existing buildings so like the first story or two of many old buildings of the 1900s are under like road level but to the point where like shop front windows and things are still there and and we looked it up like these like underground city tours are a real thing and it's not even like you have to go searching hard for them and they're like urban myths or whatever like they exist i did not ever hear this but the moment that we ever get to seattle if i do like we're definitely putting oh. that on the list it looks cool as hell yeah that's the same as like the catacombs in france like I'm, right i'm there <laughs> if i get the opportunity i don't know that i'll ever be in france in paris but i'll be I, either one i'll definitely be down there and i guess file that under another thing in this movie i wish they did more with because they it was a little bit set in there but i feel like they didn't do as much with it as i'd hoped it was like what? Okay. Two major scenes happen there, and then the rest of the movie's above ground. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, if if you're if you're starting a basis of something there, it seems like it could be a big setup to play a bigger role later. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. But yeah, it's okay though. It was still good. Yeah. Um. It was that, that that was my general thoughts on the movie. It was good, but it wasn't great. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm there on that. Um, but Malignant is out, uh, it'll probably be on HBO Max if you are a subscriber until, uh, probably about, uh, what is it, it's like 30 days, so yeah, they do, October I think 30, 9th, October 10th should yeah. be available there, and, uh, it is also out in theaters now. Yep. Um, moving on, so this is gonna be probably the strangest that we're gonna talk about, and I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot to say, not even, so we're just gonna give you the information. Yeah, it's um, not even close. This, this strangest. is a movie... This is a movie called Lamb. Uh, it releases October the 8th, apparently. Um, I am bringing it up because one of my favorite actresses Same. is in it, and we'll get to her in a second. Um, it is a, uh, it's a foreign language film. It uh, appears to be uh, either Icelandic or Nordic film. 
Um, but it has already won a prize for the uh, creators at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, these are all Icelandic or Nordic names. I'm going to butcher them all, but they're so <laughs> fun to say as an idiot American that I'm going to go through all of them real quick. That's oh, amazing, um, Ix. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is, uh, it was co written by uh, a man named Sjorn whose uh, real name is Sigurdjian Sigurdsson. Um, he is a frequent collaborator of Bjork and her 80s oh. band, The Sugar Cubes. Um, Interesting. Ap ap apart from also being apparently like a novelist, a poet, um, he's apparently a big deal internationally, um, but we're just not as familiar with him here. Um, okay. He co-wrote this uh, with director Valdemir Johansson, and the uh, film stars Numi Rapace. Um, yes. She is uh, best known probably as the lead of uh, Lisbeth Salander from the European Swedish versions of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo trilogy movies. Um, American audiences might know her from uh, Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, from 2011. Uh, she also starred in several Netflix movies, uh, including oh, what was the one I saw a few years ago? Uh, I think it's called What What Happened to Monday. I would also note that she is the lead actress in Prometheus. Ah, God damn it! Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I was thinking oh, American audiences that? would know her best from that because she's kind of a side thing. And but yes, Prometheus. She is the lead. You actress. are right. Oh, I'm such a jackass. You're yes. Um, that is her. Yes. Um, I, I've come to really dig her ever since seeing the. Uh, uh, dragon tattoo movies and i've kind of followed awesome. her so um this strikes me oh real quick i'm, I'm gonna name the other actors in this like all of them only because again they're fun to say but there's apparently only four characters in this entire movie which also makes me like whoa really okay it's uh, back. yeah with the, along with the lambs <laughs> um uh hilmer snare goodnessin bjorn because of course there's a bjorn why wouldn't there be a Bjorn? Hlinner Haraldsson, Ingvar Sagurdsson, and Esther Beebe. Well, at least those you your... saved the easy one for last. Exactly. So those are your five characters in this movie. And I don't know about you, Mike, but from the trailer, it looks like it could possibly be really freakishly weird and disturbing. But also kind of reminded me of um, the trailers that I first saw for, like, Hereditary or Midsommar. Like, those kinds of horror movies it gave me that sort of vibe uh what did, what did you get from it i have two notes that i wrote down from the trailer okay the first is numi rapace i'm in <laughs> the second is what the fuck is this movie i agree so all, all, um, the only other information i, 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 wrote I don't down know was, what else to say about it like th there's there's a small graveyard that is included in the opening of the, the trailer and i'm wondering like okay did the couple lose a child or a relative because then it also seems like they maybe start to treat a newborn lamb as like an infant or, or something a little bit like a semi-human. Um, and then I just yeah. wrote, so like if that's true, then like weird shit ensues. That's all I got. So this could either be really off-putting or just like totally miss the mark or it could be really freaking weird, but cool. I think it's going to be all of those things. <laughs> and it, like, I feel like it's going to be like midsummer like i went into midsummer thinking like yeah this is gonna be fucking weird and it was fucking weird but it was <laughs> so fucking it good too 
it, you know it mean? didn't like it, uh, disappoint on the yes, it's weird. Yeah, like I, I feel like it's it's gonna hit all those notes. I don't know if it'll be as good as Midsummer. I hope it is because that was really good. But man, I the, the, the I mean, honestly, the trailer's like a mushroom trip. Like it, it it's yes. like you just just what the hell like there's a little like there's a lamb in a little like tuxedo walking around being held like a baby looks looks like like it's it's talking two legs at one point yeah like by the hand and it's in like clothes yeah yeah it's it's very very what the hell is going on here kind of shit and yeah somebody was definitely on drugs (laughs) so or or several people's um or several drugs this is true. This is probably not going to get uh, an American theatrical release, um, but perhaps if you, again, keep your eye on the internet, it might be available uh, sometime in about uh, early to mid-October. Uh, so, uh, final thoughts on Lamb. That, yep, you, I mean, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but... Uh, so hitting off of there, so I think we are coming to maybe the next of sort of the marquee uh, films on the list that we'll, we'll try to get through as quickly as we can, uh, or at least uh, succinctly as we can, the word I keep using and really failing at. But um, on October 15th, we will finally get the sequel to 2018's Halloween reboot, Halloween Kills. Uh, this was supposed to be released in October of 2020. Um, I want to say in October of 2019, the, the the two following Halloween sequels were announced for 2020 and 2021. Those are now obviously going to be, it looks like 2021 and 22. Um, so I the, of all the first world things that happened out of COVID, this this was one of the more like entertainment ones that really hit me that I was most most sad about uh, when we you know lost this for an entire year. But um, David Gordon Green returns to direct. Uh, he along with David, uh, I'm sorry, Danny McBride and Scott Teams are your returning writers. We again are getting Jamie Lee Curtis back, Judy Greer, Andy Matichak. Uh This is uh, the cool part I think of this chapter. Um, Kyle, Kyle Richards, maybe it is Kylie, but it's spelled Kyle, uh, who played Lindsay in the original 1978 film as like a six-year-old is coming back to reprise that role in this film. Um, and then we also get Anthony Michael Hall playing the role, um, oh shit, what is that kid's name? Oh, blanking now. He is playing the the kid who is the other little boy in that film. Um, oh, okay, I know. Yeah. He is taking on that role. Is Paul Rudd coming back yet? Oh, you know what? We were just talking about this recently, <laughs> and Sarah found something that said, like, it was you know some articles power ranking of uh, the movies and whatnot, and the, the Halloween Six with Paul Rudd was listed as the worst. Yeah, but you know what? The the awesome thing about getting Paul Rudd back for this movie is he could play the character at the same age. <laughs> that is true. Um, and sorry, Anthony Michael Hall is playing Tommy. Tommy is the little yeah. boy that that Laurie Strode is is babysitting in in the first Halloween. Um, so I think that is extremely cool. Um, if if you've seen both, or at least the most recent trailer for this, I'm not sure, but it looks brutal as hell, and. All I can say is 
if if they are not ruining the body count for us, because in, in, I didn't mean to see it, but I, I accidentally did. Um, the the most recent trailer they just put out for this has Michael killing about every single person he encounters. Like yeah. in the trailer alone, there are probably twelve kills. And unless they are showing us everything and spoiling all of that, that means that there's even more. I hope not. Yeah, like I hope they're not that doing happens. that. Like, the, I, I, I feel like that's going to be the spree to start the movie. It it may. It you just know, I, like I don't know what to expect from this. Um, you know, here's the thing. There's a couple things. One, of course, it's Halloween. I fucking love it. I can't wait to get back in the theater and see this movie. Um. You know, I'll probably watch it at home and then still end up in the theater for it. You okay. Know, like, it, it's something where I'd like, if it's good, I'll probably watch yep. it at home first. And then if it's good enough, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, let's go see it in the theater too. Cause why not? Okay. But because it's, I don't know, you didn't say that, but it's going to be on Peacock Plus or whatever the premium version of Peacock is that you can get. Uh, you'll be able to watch this October 1st. So that's. Oh, even prior to release? That's what it said, I believe, was October oh, wow. 1st on Peacock. Okay. Um, I'll have to double-check that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, um, I'll double-check that right now. Let, let me... Because I feel like I saw it. <laughs> well, you, but... while you were checking that, I will offer uh, one more casting piece that I forgot about. Um, Marion... I'm 15. sorry, Nancy... Sorry, I was wrong. Go ahead. Well, uh, real quick. So, Nancy Stevens, who plays the nurse, Marion... In the original Halloween and its sequel Halloween 2, which takes place mostly at the hospital, and then who has a very short cameo in Halloween H20 from 1998, she is also returning in Halloween Kills as reprising her role. That's awesome. 42 years later, 43 years later. That's amazing. So I'm sorry. And so what, what was the date that you found? The 15th. The fifteenth. Okay, that's 15th. what it's. I feel like I saw like October first somewhere for it, but I'm gonna have to mm -hmm. research that more later. And okay. Figure out where I saw that, or if it was just something I saw that maybe they pulled back on. But I feel like they sure, announced sure. they were trying to like. I felt like they were trying to push it two weeks earlier onto Peacock Premium. They may have had to pull back on that because of legal gotcha. whatever. But I yeah, feel like yeah. I saw that maybe to push people to get Peacock or something. They might have been doing that. I don't know, but. I'm going to have to look into it now, because I'm almost certain I saw it that way, that it was going to be early on Peacock, mm -hmm. which is why I said it the way I did, like I'm going to watch it on Peacock <laughs> and then go to the theater, because I'm not going to be able to sit there with it for two weeks. Oh, no, not at all. Um, it, you we, know. we will be, we will unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, again, first world problem, but um, we will be on vacation. We will be um, actually in Ireland uh, that when it comes out, so we're going to have to try to get back to a theater as soon as we can here because we, we don't want to spend like i wonder I mean, if you could catch like a Ireland. gaelic language version oh god like an overdub yeah like celtic or gaelic see if you can <laughs> get it over if, there if if they have one we will try to make a point to see it while we're there that's the only <laughs> that's the only way i'm going to spend ireland time in a movie theater but it would be a good a use a of ireland up. you would remember that for the rest of your life i very much would um so i actually don't have much else to say about this just because i think it speaks for itself and i i, just, I can't wait the, the only other note i have on it is you know the what you see in the trailer is the very reason i was pissed about the first movie's story 
is, you know, how they set Laurie up to be ready to make sure he's dead and all that. And I'm going to kill him for good this time. And he's going to be gone. And then she leaves him without seeing him physically fucking dead. And she leaves <laughs> the scene. And I'm like, I get they want to make sequels, but you didn't have to set her up to be like, oh, well, he's burning. He'll probably be enough. dead. Yeah. So. Well, we will see. And I mean, we have another one. I mean, spoilers. We have another one coming after this. So I don't think we're going to have a resolution or, you know, a, a, a finale. Maybe to we get a Myers successor. At the end of Halloween Kills. So maybe there's a successor to Michael Myers that happens in this film that, you know, maybe, maybe somebody becomes maybe. the what? next. It, well, I guess you can't be the next Michael Myers because it's like that's the thing with Halloween is the killer doesn't have a name like Leatherface where you can take up the mantle. You could take up the mask, but you can't really take up the mantle of Michael Myers. Yeah, I think definitely uh, Halloween Kills is going to be top of the list for so many of us, and and I can't wait. Um, so before we gush any more and and get fixated too much, uh, we're gonna scoot on. Um, the next one, I'm gonna give you some background details real quick, and then I'm just gonna let Mike off the leash because I think he's chomping to talk about this one um on october the 29th we will finally get a movie called antlers and in a moment you'll understand why i say finally um the movie is directed by scott cooper who wrote and directed crazy heart out of the furnace shot in pittsburgh yay black mass and hostels so he has also worked with uh christian bale a few times um antlers is written by cooper Henry Chison, Nick Antosco, uh, and it is based on Antosco's short story called The Quiet Boy, and, interestingly, will be produced uh, in part by Guillermo del Toro. The film stars Carrie Russell, Jerry, uh, Jesse Plemons, Graham Greene, Rory Cochran, another uh, Empire Records reference, uh, he was Lucas, and uh, I believe the scary little boy in this one will be played by uh, Jeremy Thomas. So there is your creative team. Uh, Mike, take it away. So Josh is throwing this to me on at this point, because if you go back to January of 2020, we recorded our most anticipated movies for 2020 list episode, which unfortunately most of those movies did not ever um, see theaters. Even still to this day, a lot of them have not seen theaters. This movie appeared at number six on my list uh, at that time. Um, Guillermo del Toro's involvement caught my attention. The trailer confirmed that I should be interested in this movie. Um, we've been waiting, it feels like forever, because this is the type of fucked up weird shit horror movie that I love. <laughs> and Guillermo del Toro, which we're going to talk about him again later. Um, Spoilers. He, yeah, he delivers <laughs> on this stuff. There is a reason why he is known. You know his name. I know his name. Everybody knows his fucking name for a reason. If you don't, Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, the good Hellboy. Let me be clear about that. Not... As sad as it is, David Harbour, man, I love you, but that movie sucked. Um, you know Guillermo del Toro for what he is known for, which is creepy, weird shit. And he does it better than anybody else, in my personal opinion. 
And this is a movie that, from what I can tell, is going to be centered around the myth of the Wendigo. And I'll, I don't recall any other decently budgeted movie ever even attempting this. Because it's such a fucked up myth when you get down to what the myth really is. Marvel Comics did it a long time ago. Oh? They did. Believe it or not, that was the very first issue that Wolverine appeared in. Was an issue about the Hulk and Wendigo. Hmm. And that was uh, the Incredible Hulk number 180. Wolverine appears on the last panel after a fight between the Hulk and Wendigo in the Canadian wilderness. And then the first official big appearance and all that, the iconic covers, Incredible Hulk 181. Um, their take on the Wendigo is almost like a Yeti. It's a very different, abominable snowman kind of thing. This is a very different take on it, very more literal, I believe, to the mythology take, as opposed to what Marvel did. Because, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's Marvel Comics. It wasn't gonna be what this is. This this looks creepy. This looks fucked up. This looks amazing. I <laughs> cannot wait for this movie. And... I, I mean, there's not a whole lot more to say. Watch the trailer and be ready, because this is going to fuck with your head. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is going to be fucked up, and it's going to be good. So, that that I don't really, like I said, I don't want to gush about it for too long. Especially because we got Edgar Wright coming up here, and more things that I'm going to want to talk about, so... Yeah, I, I think you covered just about anything I, I would mention. I, I agree. The the trailer is very intriguing. Um, I think it'll either turn you off completely or it will like, you know, have the effect that it has had on Mike and just have you absolutely, you know, cannot wait for it. Um, I'm bummed for you that that was, you know, bumped out for like a year and a half. Um, Be bummed for the world, man. <laughs> Like, oh, not even just for that. Like, it, it shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> At this um, point, it's just, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm glad that it is going to be available for you soon. How do you feel? Like, where are you at with it, though? Um, I mean, not, it, it didn't, you know, it, it didn't have sort of the uh, enthusiastic uh, inception uh, into me that it apparently has to you, but it definitely, like, my interest has peaked. Very, okay. very much. Like, I gotta know more about what's happening. Did Did you see the similar movie that was on Netflix? I did um, not. The, the, what was that movie called? It was, it was a similar kind of thing, where they were out in the Canadian wilderness, and there was an ant... Or maybe it might have been even Scandinavian wilderness, I can't remember, but there was an antlered creature that was like a... Terrorizing... Oh, I have no idea. It's where, I'll look it up, I'll find the name. I can't remember the name now, I didn't anticipate mm -hmm. actually mentioning it. But um, it's definitely worth a watch. It's one of the better Netflix horror movies that's out there. Oh, okay. We will pass that along for you guys. Very culty. Nice. So, uh, um, yeah. As as Mike mentioned, we're gonna slide right into our next chapter. Uh, for Edgar Wright's next installment, um, a movie called Last Night in Soho, and I. This is probably the first on our list of only a few that I'm shocked that we're including an Edgar Wright movie in a discussion about horror movies. Um, I, I, I mean, at best, at best you could, I don't even think you could call Shaun of the Dead a horror movie. It is so, it is such satire. It is such, um, 
you know, a spoof of the genre that things like, like the elements that exist within that movie and Hot Fuzz and The World's End even. The like, Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Exactly. Like, at best, you could really not ever call them, tr- like, even attempting to actually be horror movies. That's not what they set out to be, I don't think. I so, would say they're <sighs> satirical horror movies. Very much. Very much. I mean, they're, they're, it's his in, homage in ways... to the horror genre. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like Weird Al Yankovic affied horror movies. Yes. Um, but this, I mean, as many times as I see this trailer, I, I, I can't get around it. Like, this looks like a thriller horror. Yeah, and... this, this does not appear to be satirical at all. This appears to no. be very in itself. Oh, yeah. Um, again, this is directed by, by Edgar Wright, in addition to what we mentioned. Um, this is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Um, baby Driver. Uh, baby Driver, yeah. I mean, you, if you know him, you know him. And if you're here, I, I'm assuming you know him. He has not had a miss. No, no. That, I, he's one a, of the few. Yeah, like everything has been really good. He doesn't yeah. make a lot, but when he makes something, it's good. Uh, the movie is co-written by Wright and Christy Wilson Carnes, uh, who, as I can see, did a lot of work on the Penny Dreadful show, um, as well as a screenwriter on the movie 1917 that Sam Mendes did. Um, the movie stars Anya Taylor-Joy, who is just having her moment the last couple of years. Good for her. Um, an actress uh, named Thomasin McKenzie, who I'm not really familiar with, who seems to play like Anya's contemporary on the other side of like the temporal world that they're inhabiting uh it also includes diana rigg who i wanted to call out because this is olena tyrell just the the goat from game of thrones just the Would have best killed myself i yeah, wish i had I, been I, me. I i want cersei to know it was me that's her <laughs> yeah um and this was actually her final role um before she she passed away just a little while ago um the, the movie also includes Matt Smith of uh, Doctor Who fame, mostly. Terrence Stamp, who is just, you know, he's freaking Terrence Stamp. Um, Jesse May or Mai Lee, um, who I'm only calling out because she is in Netflix's Shadow and Bone show that uh, mm. is relatively new that Sarah and I watched over the winter. Um, and this was fun. Um, the Phelps twins from the Harry Potter series are in this film. I and that just made that, me but smile. I didn't see them in the trailer. They weren't. I don't believe I saw them either, but I saw them in the cast list, so I just wanted to mention them. Um, Does it list them as different people? Or are they yes. playing... Okay, so they're playing twins. They're going to both appear. I think they're... Ba- yeah, based on the character names, they're effectively playing twins. Okay. But they... Mo- they And they'll both be on screen at the same time, I'm presuming. Um, instead of, like, them both playing the same character for whatever reason. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, based on what we've seen so far, what do you, what do you think? I mean, it, it seems very different for him. See, to me, it looked like kind of a time travel kind of weird, like, temporal time travel kind of thing. The mm-hmm. way you said earlier, horror that is going to have some other layered elements in it that are going to be kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas and Mackenzie, I don't remember what I know her from, but I like as soon as the trailer starts and you see her a lot in the trailer, I recognize her. From I don't know what, but I know <laughs> I have seen her in things. Um, okay. Anya Taylor Joy, you, you you stated it right. She's killing it lately. She's doing everything. You know, I mean, she's she's everywhere right now. Um, mm-hmm. 
and there's good reason for it. Um, and what what's gonna happen? I don't fucking know. What the, like <laughs> I you get a little bit of an idea of what's going on with like the she's kind of becoming the other person, whether completely or temporarily or what. I, that's the whole part you don't know what is really going there, but she's experiencing the thick the things that um Annie Taylor Joy and Mc- Thomas and Mackenzie's characters seem like they're gonna be sharing experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, to what extent and to what end I don't know. Or why mm-hmm. and all that. Of course, that's something you gotta watch the movie to find out, but it looks very much like an Edgar Wright production. Um and I got a lot of vibes from this trailer that even though the movies are very different um but the bad times at the something el royale Royale, yeah i got a lot of similar vibes Mm. and i really like that movie so i i i could see really liking this one too and it's Edgar right so i'm you know i'm there yeah, that's a good comparison now that you bring it up. And I, I I think I might know where you're going with this. Thomason McKenzie was in Jojo Rabbit. That, yes. I exactly. think she plays the young Jewish girl that he she does. finds. Yeah. Elsa. And um, she was excellent. Yes. She was fantastic in that movie. I think she, didn't she get nominated for that? Uh, not sure. She should I, have I mean, been. I, I, know the, I know the movie in general got a lot of praise. Yeah, that was fantastic movie and... You know, thank you to Taika for delivering us that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Maybe in the future we'll get a crossover between the two of them. Maybe Edgar and Taika can, Taika can make a movie together. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I feel like uh, they'd work. Oh, I, I, I don't doubt that. That'd be amazing. Um. But yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot else to add for this as well. But it, it's so, it's such a departure and not something that I would assume would come from Edgar Wright. So. The, just the the imagery and the mixing of uh some like it's a period piece but it's Not. again like to use that word <laughs> temporal and there's like other, like i don't know what the hell is happening but i like it yeah it, it, what remains to be seen is will brian see this in the theater because it's edgar wright who happens to be his favorite director Can but it's also horror I, I which happens to be his least favorite genre <laughs> <laughs> and, so. and I, I don't i don't see an official rating on it yet yeah. So, um, I mean, that might be where he the falls. determining factor. Yeah, that's possible. But we we will see. Um, I, I imagine there's a chance I would uh want to see this more than once. So maybe you and I do the test run together, and if we think it's gonna be up his alley enough, we do the he'll come with us for the return. Absolutely. I'm I'm there. I'm there for that because that's it's Edgar Wright. I'm there. So sweet. It's a deal. It's a date. Yay. Um, I'll get my heels. <laughs> All right, scooting on. Um, we have got a new chapter in the Insidious franchise apparently coming maybe soon. We're not sure about this. I have not seen anything about this. I have actually uh, I actually came across this today as I was finalizing the outline for our discussion. Um, the current release date that I see for this might be as early as November 11th. Okay. Um, this is going to be called Insidious, The Dark Realm. This will be the fifth installment in the Insidious franchise. We had Insidious 1, 2, 3. Then I think it was the Lost or the Last Keys. It was something with a key. 
the case. Uh, that was number four, and now we have The Dark Realm. Uh, this will be directed by the uh, Lost or Last Keys chapter director, same guy, uh, Adam Robitel is coming back for this, um, who also did both Escape Room movies. Um, I actually kind of like the first one quite a bit, and we saw the second one this summer. I was pleasantly surprised with them finding an angle to continue it. I will say, okay. I think the first one is stronger, but um, I actually, I, I enjoyed them well enough. Um, and interestingly, this is uh, apparently going to be written by Ryan Ragland, that as far as I can tell, this is literally his first credit. Like, he has nothing else okay. of any type, of any department, of anything on his on his IMDb record. Um, but he was in, in given apparently the sole job of writing the screenplay for this, so that could go either way. Um, we have Lynn Shea. Spencer Locke and Caitlin Gerard um, returning in their roles from uh, the fourth installment. So they are directly continuing some manner of storyline and, and arc from those folks. Um, no word yet as to whether, you know, we'll see Rose Byrne or uh, Patrick Wilson, but uh, fingers crossed they can tie that back because that would be really fun. Guessing no word on Lee Wannell either. Uh, their involvement. No, I did see that. I, I think, um, James Wan, he has like a weird credit on this one. It's like consulting director or something like that. It's probably something that he's just required to get on any of these films that it, are made. Might, like, I mean, I mean, you you see things like this categorized as like you know uh, characters created by, and they end yeah. up in the writing credits. This was actually in the directing credit. Oh, um, okay. as something I'd not really seen before, but I I, I don't I'm you know not sure. Lee Lee Wanell is off, um, you know, after doing um. The Invisible Man, um, he's off. I forget. He's doing another. I want to say another one of the Universal Monsters, if I'm not mistaken. That's oh, they're his still next doing gig. that. I didn't yeah, even realize I they, they were continuing that. Yeah, I think they abandoned the whole um, MonsterVerse, <laughs> MonsterVerse, like Dark Universe thing they were going for and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think Which he is... got. I think he got a remake job. Now, now I'm curious and I'm looking it up. See, like I um, find that to be a shame. Not necessarily because like Tom Cruise's The Mummy interested me, not at all. But Russell Crowe as like Jekyll and Hyde mm -hmm. I really wanted to see that happen and yeah. I'm really like I hope that that still comes back to him getting to play that role gotcha uh it might but um oh he's doing the Wolfman. oh okay. that's what he's doing and honestly I thought that Invisible Man was actually really cool yeah that was good so uh and he he was the I think like main writer and and story and everything and screenplay on on that so We'll see what he does with that, but that's what he's off doing. But um, he's probably still acting as like you know an executive producer or something because I don't think they are ever walking away from this. It's too much of a money maker. Well, yeah, like I yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean I I'm I've I've liked this franchise well enough that I will probably see this at some point. Um, depending on release date, we'll see what's happening in the world if we'll get to the theater for it. But um, does this even hold interest for you? Well, for me, I'm in the state of, like, Insidious 1 and 2 are in this upper echelon for me of really, really good horror movies. 3 is good, and I felt like 4 was not at all. And <laughs> okay. so, where does... I'm still going to watch this, mm -hmm. but after where 4 was, does it get me to a theater? No. I'm with you. Gotcha. You know, like, it... <sighs> 
you know, three got me to the theater to see four. <laughs> four is not getting me mm. to the theater to see five. See five. Now, again, gotcha. if Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne sign on, you know, were part of it and they were coming back around, it's kind of like the whole idea of, like, actors coming back around. Like, when Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga do a Conjuring, mm-hmm. I'm there for that. When it's another Annabelle, it's like, or it's another offshoot that doesn't include them i'm kind of like well it probably won't be as good gotcha yeah well we'll see yeah we'll see where where this goes yeah um well whether you know like i said whether that will be coming in november is still to be determined but it seems mostly uh confident to say that we are getting a resident evil franchise reboot in late november right around uh actually i think it's a thanksgiving release um day before thanksgiving as of now if everything holds true on november 24th we will be getting resident evil welcome to raccoon city um we got i think seven chapters in the previous paul franchise anderson stuff yeah um from like 2002 all the way through like 2017 or something um yeah and it seems like they are done with those and they're going for reboots now. It look it kind of looks like this is a, a complete like origin remake, um, a quasi prequel, even to what we saw from those, like even giving like a backstory to where they started from. Oh, I but um, I don't think it's supposed to be connected in any way. Um, I certainly hope it's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not sure how much. It, I, th- I think it's still going to be like you're going to get a zombie outbreak. But it's a bit more well, like it, from what I can tell. Resident it, Evil, you're gonna a get lot zombies. of it looks a lot of it looks like Resident Evil One, the game. Well, like it's the original not, game is like a, 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 like a strong story basis. I would say Resident Evil Two would probably be the, you think? the story. Well, all the imagery they're using is around the RPD. Okay. Um, you'll have to forgive me for nerding out for a minute here about Resident. Resident Evil is in my top three video game franchise favorites ever. Okay. Um, so the first game takes place at the mansion, the Spencer Mansion, mm-hmm. in the Arclay Mountains outside of Raccoon City. Um, this title is Welcome to Raccoon City. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one tell that this is more based around the events of 2 and 3. Uh, the other is a lot of the imagery that we've seen, even though we don't have a trailer, they have shown imagery based around the Raccoon Police Department which is a major setting in both the second and third games. Uh, The little bit of difference, they have cast Leon Kennedy, they have cast Jill Valentine, but they also cast Chris, uh, who doesn't take, who does not show up in those two games. Oh, okay. Um, He take, like he appears in the first game with Jill, with Rebecca, who are Mm -hmm. both also cast here. And then he doesn't appear again until Resident Evil 5. Oh, okay. He goes off and starts doing other stuff. Still fighting zombies in the background, but for a different purpose. Well, same purpose, fighting the same kind. Con- whatever. He doesn't... <laughs> he's away for a while. Um, but we also have Claire Redfield cast. Mm-hmm. Um, this tells us a lot, because Claire doesn't show up till 2. Jill is a very present in Resident Evil 3. She's the main character. We have a lot of that going on. The question is, how much are they going to stick to the feeling of the Resident Evil franchise as a game series versus what they've already done? And for me, like the way that 
have you played Resident Evil? Have you? It's been, I, I played like the first two with friends when I was like 14 years old. Okay. That's, so, that's about it. The, the Resident Evil franchise created a genre of gaming known as survival horror. And the idea of it was you were actually supposed to be put into a situation where you had to survive on the resources given in a zombie outbreak survival situation. Mm -hmm. And at the same time as solving a mystery as to how it started and what was going on and all this shit, you have very limited resources as you play through the game. And everything is more about the tension building as opposed to the over-the-top action we got in the previous series. Okay. So are they going to... Which route are they going to go? Are they going to build the horror end or the action end? Because if there's oh, one see. thing that fans of the video games had a problem with the movies, was that the games weren't built around over-the-top action. No. Not from And even when the games eventually started to incorporate a lot of action... The fans of the game series hated the game, Resident Evil 6, that turned into more of an action game. So much so that the games rebooted themselves into a first-person, more modern horror perspective. Mm. The game series itself rebooted, not rebooted, but changed how they approached things altogether because they went too far into the action. Which is why I really wasn't enjoying the... Anderson films as Resident Evil films. I still think they were fun films, mm. but not as Resident Evil. They weren't. Oh, they were never Resident Evil movies in characters, like other than in character names. Oh, I see. That was well, as you, far you, as they went. Yeah, you met. You mentioned characters cast. Um, let's. Uh, we'll wrap up this segment with talking Do about Creature. Um, so we got. Uh, it's written and directed by Johannes Roberts of the 47 Meters Down movies, uh, along Yikes. with the sequel to The Strangers. Oh, um, well, and it's that's going to good. It's going to star Kaya Scodelario from yes. The Maze Runner, Pirates of the Caribbean 5, and mostly, more recently, Crawl. We have Hannah John Kamen, come on. From Tomb Raider, Ready Player One, and uh, you might know her as Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Indeed. We have Tom Hopper from Game of Thrones and Umbrella Academy. Robbie Amell, that is, yes, brother of Steven, uh, from the Babysitter movies and The Flash, among many others. Uh, as well as Neil McDonough and Donald Logue, rounding out some of our more uh, recognizable cast. Um, so it could be a really fun Thanksgiving to uh, go see some zombie survival stuff right after the turkey. I will be there. I probably will be too, honestly. That sounds like a fun way to spend the, the holiday weekend. I hope they do it right this time. I hope they yeah. do it justice. The The games are so great. Yeah, and they're it's so cinematic just... in nature anyway. It could definitely be a lot of fun if they do a fun zombie survival type of game. And I, or you type know, of movie. I better hear the term Jill Sandwich or I'm not. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> uh we'll see what happens um all right so this one's gonna be difficult for us to to adhere to our five minute mark but we are gonna do our best um the last one that we have it, it currently a, a a tentative 2021 release date for is we we mentioned it before but um this kind of took me out of, out of surprise out of nowhere 
Uh, we are apparently getting Guillermo del Toro's next directed movie called Nightmare Alley on December the 2nd. Uh, it's uh, co-written by del Toro and Kim Morgan. Uh, it's based on William Lindsay Gresham's novel, presumably of the same name. I didn't actually look that up. But um, I'm going to look at, at the cast for you guys for a second because you, you're, like, you're going to think. Yeah, like I'm going to say a name or two and you're like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And then I'm going to keep going. Yeah, and it, it like it, it just keeps like I I was so surprised when I saw this today. So you right off the bat, you start with Bradley Cooper playing Indiana he, Jones. What it looks like, effectively, yeah. <laughs> um, in in like a nineteen like nineteen oh eight circus. Yeah. Um, then you get Kate Blanchett. Oh, that's not enough for you. How about Willem Dafoe and Rooney Mara? And Tony Collette, and Mary Steenburgen, and Ron Perlman, and Tim Blake Nelson, and David Statham, uh, or Stratton. straight straight hair. Yeah, I always say this name wrong. Uh, and Clifton Collins Jr. and Richard Jenkins, and this person who I'm going to call out because we just watched Deadwood for the first time and he was awesome. Uh, an actor named Jim Beaver. He's freaking awesome on Deadwood. If you've never seen that show, watch it. He's he's in this too, and that's amazing. Um. Uh, like that, that, like I think of all those names I just said in a movie, apparently set in like the early 1900s, maybe late 1800s at best, um, and directed by written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Like, do, we don't really actually have to say anything, but we got like three more minutes to say what we want I mean, about this. Like, you I had me at ahead. the first three actors. I mean, if you tell me Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett. And Willem Dafoe were starring in a movie together, written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. I don't need to know anything else. Right? To get me to the theater the day it comes out, I don't need to hear another thing. This looks so fucking weird and over the top. Bradley Cooper has a third eye in this movie. Did you catch that in the trailer? I did the not. The eye in the middle of his forehead. That's why he wears the hat down... I did over not. his head, oh, wow. yeah, okay. he's got like I'm the all-seeing eye in the middle this. of his head. Um, yes, you're gonna get to see Bradley Cooper with an eye in the middle of his forehead. I don't know if it's ever gonna open. I don't know what they're gonna do with it, but you see it for like a few frames when he doesn't have his hat on. You can see there's mm -hmm. like an eyelid that's closed. Okay, okay. It's not open. The eyes never open in the trailer, but you can see that it's clearly an eye on his forehead. Um, you know, the trailer is essentially narrated by Willem Dafoe, let's say. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. It's not really like narration. It's just him talking over his character, talking about this, I don't know, crazy baby child thing. Yeah. That hopefully we get to see at some point, I assume. You're not going to build it up that much, not for us to see. Um, well, I, I, like, I think there's the so much going on. The interesting part, for me was um he del toro used like world war ii as a background for shape of water mm -hmm. and you know like the weapons race and the 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 a, a, sort of the, the burgeoning age of science before ethics yes really got involved right um the 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 use of period pieces in this one especially like the aesthetic and putting it in the type of look and environment that this apparently takes place in um adds absolutely to the interest factor to me it just looks very different yeah like it so if you haven't seen the trailer 
it all looks to take place around like a freak show carnival kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like turn um, of the century kind of stuff. Yeah, like very like come see the bearded lady and the two headed man and the what happens when people inbreed person. <laughs> um, but there's like whole other layers of stuff going on here where I feel like Bradley Cooper's character looks to me to be playing some kind of detective and that has like special abilities because of the all seeing eye that he has on his forehead whatever abilities that gives him yeah okay that makes sense that that jives more with what i was seeing okay um and what's really what is he researching i don't fucking know <laughs> <laughs> but like this just I, I like i said like you had me at the beginning real easy but damn like i cannot wait to see this movie like this is something that actually got me excited that i had no idea was happening yeah. You know, you, you texted me about including it on the show, and then I went to see Ghost in the Show with Brian and Ian, which we're going to talk about in a couple of days, and it was a preview on that, and I was blown away by how fucking weird and Guillermo del Toro the trailer was. Nice. Yes. I used his name like an adjective. It works. <laughs> He's going to del Toro the crap out of it. Yeah. And there we go as a verb. See how many different parts of speech we can figure out how to do. Del Toro! Um, I'm yeah. sorry. No, I just... <laughs> uh, yeah, this this is gonna like if we if we had the ability to have done like an anticipated for 2021 list, um, and and we had known about it early enough, this this probably would have at least made my top ten. I would say the same. If he's doing yeah. something, I'm paying attention. Yeah, that's a good good point. Um, uh, we adhered pretty well to that a little bit over, but uh, we're gonna scoot right along. So as I said, that those that's the last of them that we we have actual release dates for, whether they hold or not, we'll be seeing. The next three uh, quickly are gonna be things that are just generally slated for 2021 right now. They don't have specific release dates, and so we don't know if that's actually gonna happen or not. But we're gonna just talk through them quickly. Um, the first is apparently an a, another Texas Chainsaw sequel. And similar to some of the other films we talked about earlier, like Candyman, um, even though I'm pretty sure this has even been done in this franchise before, um, this is supposed to be a direct sequel to the original. It's not using any other continuity or any okay. other, you know, it, it, and it's not even, you know, a remake of the original. It's a sequel to the original. Now, the, 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 the one interesting thing that I could say about this that seems is that it is... Um, assuming that nothing has happened between the first one and now like there's a real story time gap of like 40 years okay between them and this is the like this is only the second thing that ever happens after the first one occurred so no bill mosley with the weird coat hanger and correct and yeah. and and even though i i actually kind of liked the one from what six or seven years ago um with, with uh, uh, Alexandra Dizario, or whatever her name was. I thought you were talking about the one that was like Leatherface's origin. Oh, that one. No, I that I thought that was kind of crappy. Okay. No, no, no. That's um, yeah, it was Alexandra yeah, Dario and what's her name from The Big Bang Theory? It yes. Was a vet. Yeah. She was a so, vet. So, like, the, I didn't think that was all that bad, and that kind of continued. That That was another one where it was like, oh, hey years later here's yeah. you know the effect of it it wasn't like because because a lot of them that were made like 
prequels or remakes or whatever from like the early 2000s were Matthew McConaughey and Renell Zellweger somehow. Yeah, but it, like it still took the idea like, hey, it's still the 1970s and we're yeah. continuing the story from that point. I do like the idea of, hey, what if nothing happened for four decades between now and then and we're picking yeah. something up? That's a little bit of a different twist. Um, I, I will say I, uh, our very first project we talked about, Don't Breathe 2. I'll remind uh, what I said earlier, which is the creators of the Don't Breathe movies are acting as writers and producers, um, story, story creators and producers on this. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, and this movie is being directed by David Blue Garcia. Um, the only person of note and, you know, no offense to any of these folks, but the only person of note that I could see who will be starring in this is uh, Alice Crige or Alice Crege, perhaps. Um, character actress, if you looked her up, you would absolutely know her. Um, quickly, I could say, like, she has a small role um, as the, like, lead. I guess you call her, like, Dr in thor dark world who is examining jane when she first gets to uh asgard um, oh she, she was the witch in uh gretel and hansel yeah yeah yeah. yes so i i didn't precept I, I should have assumed there's a chance you would have saw that i thought that movie was extremely crappy oh it was horrible so i wasn't gonna mention it um but <laughs> it was, she it did a good, good job in it um yeah no she tre- was good Trekkie fans may recognize her from uh, First Contact. Um, She's a prominent role in there, but um, yeah, I'm not not really sure where it's going to go from there, but I I mean, just a short answer, like, do you think we need this? Do you think the idea is worth exploring if we do? If it's done right, we need it. Okay. If it's not, we don't. Don't bother. So... Kind of the way that you described, like, the Alexander Daddario thing. I feel like they did really good with the Jessica Biel version. Okay. Like, I feel like that was good, and then it went nowhere. Like, nothing happened with it after that. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. They, like, like they, they waited, and they did. There was, like, a movie that had Jordana Brewster in it. Yeah. And then, I think after that, the next thing was the Alexander Daddario thing. Yeah, there was a long time gap. And I feel like it's a series that works. And I feel like part of the reason that you got like that gap is because Rob Zombie stepped in and kind of took over that genre of the weird family in the middle of nowhere in the desert of Texas. Mm, that's you know? a good point. And he did it better <laughs> like than what okay. they had been doing. I'm not saying he did it better than the originals, but he mm-hmm. did better than what they had been doing, and they didn't know if they could top it. And okay. I feel like they stepped back. About that. And so I guess I don't, I haven't watched that three from hell yet. I haven't either, but I feel like, you know, he, after the devil's rejects, he kind of fell off of that train that he was mm-hmm. on for a while of doing those movies. And now it opens that genre up again. And I'm interested to see what they do. And their little teaser on the website that they put up is amazing. Because there's not much there, but it's fucking creepy and it works. So, I'm hoping they do good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm ho- it's a franchise that I think has been treated... Like, the first movie was very shock value and it worked. Because other than maybe, like... The Last House on the Left, 
around mm-hmm. the same time, it hadn't been done where they did the shock value horror like that, where it was like, oh man, this is going to happen, but they're going to get away. Oh, they didn't get away. You know, okay. like that whole like the horror of the thing that you think is going to happen. A lot of horror movies pull away from and don't let happen. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre let it happen. Yeah, that's and fair. The, the, that's the same way with like the Last House on the Left. It did that same kind of thing. Like, boy, I hope that the oh shit, you know. <laughs> um, so I think if they can capture the shock value that the originals had, which is tougher today than it was then. Yes. If you can manage to do that today, you have something. And that's the legacy for me of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that you have the ability to step into this franchise and say, this franchise is the one that goes the steps beyond the other ones that they just won't do. And do something so fucked up, (laughs) you know, that like, what, like, you get what I'm saying here? Like, yeah. It, will they do that? I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. I keep hoping for it to happen. And you you still get some solid movies out of the franchise, but not where it could go. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and that's actually a good jumping off point because our next entry is another uh, sort of reboot, re- reignition, if you will. Um, Jeepers Creepers. If uh, If anyone has seen any of these, there is a trilogy that exists so far. Um, it is apparently getting a fourth installment, currently titled Jeepers Creepers Reborn. Uh, again, does not have an official uh, release date yet. Um, not much to say about this, actually, even like in terms of casting or anything. Um, it is being yeah, directed I... by T- Timo or Timo Vuro Rensola. Apologies. Who I guess is best known for the Iron Sky franchise, from what I can see. Oh, okay. Um, and written by uh, someone named Sean Michael Argo. Um, not much to go on here, so I guess I'll just ask, are you familiar with Jeepers Creepers movies? Have you seen which ones, and what are your general feelings? I have seen them all, and the first one was very good, and the other two were very not. <laughs> okay. Um, Bring back Justin Long. I know he died in the first one. I don't care. Make him Put the Justin new Long guy. in every movie ever, and I'll be happy. He's I awesome. I want to see him more. Um, he made the first movie good, in my opinion. The which horror was, didn't. He did. Yeah, which which was shocking because that movie is from 2001. That was his and like to, first to, thing, wasn't it? it? Just about. Like, if you put it in context, Dodgeball was 2004. Yeah. So this is three and, years before even and then that. Tusk was like 08, 09. Oh, no, 10? Tusk was much later. Tusk was at least 2013, 2014. Really? Yeah. Like, Accepted was t- 2006. 2014, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Accepted. I forgot he did that one, too, with, like, Jonah Hill and the Wiener mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, like, Zack yeah. and Miri was 2008. Yeah. So, like, I it, remember it's... that because I didn't want to see Jason Mew's dick, but I did. <laughs> uh, you lost that bet. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, like in context. So, I mean, I, I, from what I remember, I agree with the, the your, your feelings of the first movie. I've only seen, so there was a weird thing where like the second movie, if I remember, 
was not sequelized until like years and years later. Oh yeah, it was well later. And then the third one was like two years after that. Like they moved very quickly. I kind of remember the second one being not too terrible. Not nearly as good as the first. Well, the second one, they were third, all like stranded on the bus, right? The bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I forget what, honestly, at this point, I forget what the third one was even about. I remember it not really being that great. Um, the first one, good. Actually, the two one, was only watchable. two years later. Oh, okay. So I had it reversed. So it was 01 to 03. And okay. then Jeepers Creepers 3 was 2017. It was That's 14 it was. years later for the third movie. Okay, so at some point, yeah, then they came back for that, and now someone's trying to keep it alive again. Um, it's a I, franchise that's worth saving if they can do it. Okay. If it's just another th- version of 3, you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's just another throwaway movie, uh-huh. whatever. Okay, fine. You did it. You pissed me off. Fine. Just, like, I feel like had they left the first movie alone, it would be more of a cult classic. Had they never made a sequel. Mm, I can see that. You know, it would have a thing. Yeah. <laughs> there would be a thing around that Jeepers Creepers movie, but they made, like, in my opinion, I still think the second one's, it's better than the third by a long shot, but it's still shitty. Uh, yeah, I could agree with that. And uh, so hopefully if they're going for a fourth bite at the apple, it will not be a steaming pile. And uh, yeah, like you said, it could actually reignite some interest and, and we'll have to see if they do it or just again at least you said like throw away yeah straight to dvd yes it's 2021 and i said dvd straight to dvd is where i <laughs> potentially see that movie going <laughs> it's gonna be automatically to home video they didn't even bother filming it in hd <laughs> uh it will it'll only be released on vhs i would um, buy that so we are in the final stretch, listeners. We have three more entries, um, and the next one is going to be the the, the last of those that we have a, a an ambiguous release date for, but it might make it out in 2021, if not, you know, hopefully later. Um, I wanted to include this because you're, you'll see in a second. So this is called The Black Phone. We don't have a trailer. We don't, I don't even think there's, like, stills or anything out yet that I've, I've seen, but... Um, this is written and directed by Scott Derrickson, who is of sinister fame, The Day the Earth Stood Still remake, uh, Deliver Us from Evil, and 2016's MCU Marvel's Doctor Strange. Um, Derrickson was supposed to be writing and directing the sequel to Doctor Strange. When that fell apart with Marvel, this is the project he picked up, and, and this is what he's putting out for us. Um, this movie is co-written by himself. And his writing partner, C. Robert Chargill, or Car- Cargill, who uh, they've worked on most of their stuff together. It is based on a short story by Joe Hill, who happens to be Stephen King's son and is the author of the Lock and Key graphic novel series. Um, I love Derrickson. I-, I have liked everything of his that I have seen, um, and I am bummed as hell that Doctor Strange was never allowed to be the horror movie genre film of the MCU that I wanted it to be and that it could have been in his hands. Um, but we're getting this instead, and, and I like his stuff, so I'm excited. Um, the movie is bringing back Ethan Hawke, who he previously worked with in Sinister. Uh, an, an actor named excellent Jeremy. Excellent movie. Yes. Um, an actor named Jeremy Davies, who, this is for Brian, who's not listening to this episode, I know, but Jeremy Davies <laughs> plays Faraday 
on Lost, if you're a Lost fan. Um, and Tell Brian there's a Lost reference in here somewhere, and he has to find it, and yes. we're going to quiz him on it. <laughs> and it's way towards the end, so he has to listen all the way through. Don't tell him that part. Yeah, it's in there, dude. you got to find it. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and then another actor named James Ransone. So we don't have much to go on. Um, I, I don't know the short story. I don't know the plot of it, but I'm kind of going on faith with the creators. Um, how do you feel? I mean, same. The last time Derrickson and Hawk worked together to make a horror film, I fucking loved it. Sinister was one of those movies that I came across while looking for a horror movie to watch. We've all been there. Those of us that love horror, you, you're like, man, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. And you're looking through all this shit that's out there and you're like, huh, I haven't seen that one. And I came across Sinister. However the hell long ago that was. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, let's watch this one. I've heard good things. And holy shit, that was a fucking awesome horror movie. And the sequel was good. I don't even know if Derrickson was involved in the sequel. But I think he was probably on as like a producer still. But I don't believe. Um, so like James Ranson or Ransone that I mentioned is in the sequel. He's in Sinister 2. Okay. Um, among many other things. I think he's actually, I think he was in It. Chapter two. Okay. If I recall. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of the few, like, it, it it had been a while since I had seen a good original idea. And yeah. it, had, it, it had elements of, like, borrowed things from other types of scary movies. Oh, absolutely. But, but put together in a very unique way. Yes. And, you know, like, having seen Sinister, again, if you haven't watched it, just go do it. You will not regret it. If you love horror, it is one of the better ones out there that you're gonna find. Um, yeah, agreed. I think they, this, this especially that you like haven't a, heard a seal of approval from both of us. Yeah. Um. So seeing Derrickson and Ethan Hawke come together again for another horror movie, that's all I really needed to know. Yeah. I mean, the mm -hmm. rest of the cast still looks really good in this. It's a lot of people whose faces you'll recognize, but names you won't know. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's an excellent way to put it, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, you'll know. You'll know. But you won't know till you see it. And yeah. But Ethan Hawke, I mean, everybody knows who Ethan Hawke is. Um, especially, I guess, with, like, the resurgence of his name because of Maya. You know, <laughs> it, she's brought more recognition to his name now than he used to have. You know, I mean, 20 years ago, he was a much bigger name than he is now. Mm-hmm. But I guess her rise has kind of given rise to his name again. And hopefully this movie can live up to the expectations. There's hopefully, not a whole lot to go on. Like you said, like it's, there's not a lot there. But those two working together did really good before. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting them to knock it out of the park. I don't think, like, they haven't delivered. He hasn't delivered a dud yet, no, in my opinion. Yeah, Derrickson's a stud. If you're making a horror movie, <laughs> Derrickson's where you want to be. Yeah, it, it it should be a good one. Um, all right, so we got our final two here, and and they're kind of big ones, but we'll we'll we'll, yeah. tr we'll try to fit them in. Um, in, believe it or not, in early January of 2022, we are getting a fifth installment of the Scream franchise. Um, quick history. Uh, created by Wes Craven. Um. 
the idea actually written by someone else, but the, the the general idea created by Wes Craven, he directed the first three, actually all four, all four. We got Scream in 1996. We very quickly got Scream 2 in 1997. Then we got Scream 3 in 2000. Took an 11-year hiatus until 2011 before we got Scream 4. Um, unfortunately, in the past couple of years, we lost Wes Craven. Um, so this will be the first one that, you know, he's not a part of. He's not behind the story, the produ- the production. He's not behind the director's chair. So in 2022, we are maybe getting Scream 5, but it is bringing back Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. Uh, this I thought was interesting. Mary Shelton bringing her back from Scream 4. Um, she was one of the deputies uh, in Scream 4. Um, okay. And we are adding newcomers that I'm calling out. Uh, Jack Quaid, who has been oh, riding yeah. high the last couple of years from The Boys uh, and, and, and some other projects. Uh, previously, The Hunger Games. Yep, had in the first Hunger Games movie. Um, Marvel. And, and uh, an actor named Kyle Gallner, who if you, again, he's one of those people, look him up and look his resume up. You're like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, he's that kid. Um, he's you know, more grown up now. He's, you know, but... Uh, he has a a really good resume, and he's like, oh, he's in that and that and that and that. But um, so I guess we'll say quickly. Um, so who is bringing this to us if if Wes is no longer around? So we have Matt Bettinelli Ulpin and Tyler Gillette, or Gillette, who are the team behind a couple of things. But the thing that caught my attention, they're the team that brought us Ready or Not two years ago. And I thought Ready or Not was one of the funnest, again, original ideas that I've seen in scary movies, horror movies, thrillers in a long, long time. And I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. Um, along Along with them, it is being written uh, by um, – well, I'm sorry. They, they are the directing team on this one. The film is being written by James Vanderbilt. Uh, he is, his resume includes Basic, Zodiac the losers both amazing spider-man films and independence day resurgence that last one does not bode well but <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's like oh yeah 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 it kind of oh, gets there no what happened right but hey we got to got to talk about the good and the bad um, along with uh it's been co-written with uh gary busick who was one of the other writers Almost. on ready or not so ba- mainly the ready or not team is coming for scream a good choice of team if, to have I think if, if you're gonna do it yeah if you're gonna do it so the question is what are your general feelings about scream quickly and so, do we again do we need this does the name Dave Sheridan turn up anywhere in the cast list I do not know off the top of my head I will look okay so the reason I ask is because if you know if this is the last scream movie that we're gonna get I would love to see them throw in a homage to Scary Movie, have Officer Doofy show up just oh. once. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, just for the hell of it, he doesn't have to be Officer Doofy in the movie, you know. <laughs> but it would be fun. Having said that, um, I didn't know that about the team that was taking this over. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole time that, like, I heard about Scream 5 and it, they were doing it again, I'm like, man, you know, I know Jordan Peele just did the whole thing with Candyman. I would have really loved to see him take over and take a shot at Scream. 
mm-hmm. and see what he would do with it. Just because my curiosity piques that interest. Like, what would he do with this? Sure. And I think right now he's kind of the name in horror. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, it, it, yeah, in, yeah. in terms of making, like, top quality horror films. Him and, I mean, we just talked about Del Toro and Derrickson. Mm-hmm. I think those are the three names kind of at the top of the list if you were going to pick out somebody to take over a big franchise that you would want to nab. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's the cream of the crop um, right now. So, seeing these guys take over, they just did Ready or Not. Um, that movie was amazing. Like, I love that movie. It's so fun at the same time being kind of a serious, like, holy shit, she needs to survive. Well, yeah, it it, it takes its turns from suspense to fun. Like, three quarters of that movie is suspenseful as hell, and it's her surviving and all that. And then the last quarter, when everything comes to light and everything's going on, and she just basically fucking kills everybody. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> I, it's a couple years old now. Yeah, Get no, over it. Um, is amazing. And speaking of people up and coming in horror, Samara Weaving, which she did with the babysitter and with Ready or Not, mm-hmm. I really hope we see her more in horror because she is at home in the genre. She's good in other stuff too, but in horror, I feel like she's killing it. But in I terms agree. of Scream Five, um. You know, to me, I think where Scream 4 fell off for me, that the other movies didn't, was that they were serious takes on a critical look at the genre. Yes. They were taking a critical look at why the genre is what it is and still managing to be a horror film doing it as opposed to something like scary movie which was just purely satirical Mm -hmm. or Shaun of the dead which was comedy they took it and they managed to keep it a horror film i guess like cabin in the woods did yes where you have this horror film that is still a horror film in genre and it feels like a horror film but it takes this very satirical look at how horror films are made yeah, it it's like it it's it, it's deconstructing the genre yes. as part of the plot. Exactly. And I want to see that from Scream 5 again. We didn't I feel like we didn't see that from Scream 4. Not as much. I did appreciate cuz 11 years in between 3 and 4, I was like, why are they coming back to this? What could they possibly do? In the age of burgeoning social media and, you know, before we had Snapchatters and Viners and now TikTokers, I think the first way that you heard people being described were YouTube stars. That was YouTubers. First, yes, like the first uh, adjective for a, a social media internet celebrity if you want to call like whatever word like i've hated all of it but (laughs) i was gonna say i I, have some choice words that i'm not gonna use i do like i i i I despise the notion of all of that for the most part and it made sense like what what they did with scream 4 made sense 
in the context they put it in, the spin that they gave it in in I what agree. was happening in the world. Right now, I don't know what they're gonna do well, in, in, like... in in order to 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 make it so self referential. Right. It, that's like the foundation of of the the franchise. I guess I understand what Scream Four did. Not self-referential. You know, be, to, Retro, to be, it, it, introspective, I should say. To, like my problem with Scream Four is that it didn't take on the horror genre of the time. Okay. It took on society in its mm-hmm. own way, but I don't feel like it took on what was happening in horror the way that Scream okay. did. Gotcha. Does that like does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Like like yeah. the difference there, and I'd rather things take on their own genre. And still, like, that's why Cabin in the Woods is so fucking good, is because it takes yeah. on its own genre and says, we can still make a horror movie out of it while still making an ass out of other horror movies. <laughs> and I-, I love that about it. And Scream originally did that. That was mm-hmm. Jamie Kennedy's entire character. Yeah. Was making an ass of other horror movies. And so I want to see that again. I want to see them managed to maintain a horror movie while throwing things like Insidious and The Conjuring and Paranormal Activity and, I don't know, what's another big horror movie of the time? Like, I mean, anymore, it would be like The Purge. It would yeah, be throw sort that. of like, and we just talked about Sinister. It would be... Yeah. Throw them under the bus. You know? Throw those things under the bus while maintaining your horror genre. Okay. Somehow, you know, put them on notice. Like, we see you, you're formulaic, and this is what you're doing, and we're going to point it out, and we're going to make fun of it at the same time as making a horror movie. I want to see that from Scream 5. Can they do it? We'll find out. We will. I, I'm going to be there yeah, absolutely. as well. Yeah that's, yeah, that's another date. That's another date. That's a That's a thing. I'm there. Can't just fill in one. the calendar now. Yeah. Um, so, folks, we are bringing this in for a landing with our last entry. Thanks for hanging in with us. Um, we're going to get you through January of 2022. And I, I this is going to be an interesting way to end because we are including a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. A for real mainstream regular comic book movie in this discussion. Um and we could be completely wrong about this. We'll have to see when the movie gets released. But for all intents and purposes, uh, Sony is marketing Jared Leto's Morbius in the way that I wanted Doctor Strange to look. I wanted Doctor Strange to be marketed with the same feel that I think Morbius might have, where there's the there's this background to it. But if Sony makes a horror movie, granted a PG-13, currently rated horror movie, but if they make a horror movie out of their comic book stuff that's directly related to Spider-Man, because we know it is, because Michael Keaton's in it at some point, whether it's a cameo or it's something bigger. Um, but is th- he that's how I feel about character? it. Do we have that con- confirmation yet? I, I think we've had this discussion before. I, I, I don't know if we've had official confirmation, but okay. I can't see it not being. Okay. Okay. I just, right. I mean, I feel like that's like Sony hijacking the MCU, but. Well, sure. I mean, why wouldn't they? Wow. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, you, you get, we're going to get Jared Leto in the, 
in the uh, titular role of of Morbius. Um, again, Michael Keaton will be uh, involved in some capacity. Um, we get Adria Arjano, um, who I absolutely love from the Belco experiment. Um, she was also in Six Underground, uh, as well as a number of others. Uh, that was a we good get... movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah I really dug that. Um, Jared Harris, they have finally pulled into a comic book movie. Matt Smith uh, is is diving into comic book movies as well. And Tyrese, Tyrese Gibson is going to be part of this Sony picture. Oh, um, God. I, I didn't notice looking... that part of it. Yeah. Um, I tried looking back because this was one that was originally supposed to be, I think, last summer. And I could I could have sworn like we got I thought because I knew we got a trailer in like late yeah. 2019, early 2020. So I, I looked back on the episodes to see if we had a prior discussion about it. We might have, but I didn't see it timestamped anywhere. So maybe we didn't. No, um, I, don't, I don't feel like we talked about it. If the if the if, the, if any of this detail is a repeat, I apologize. But uh, this will be directed by Daniel Daniel Espinoza, um, who you might be familiar with from the movie Safe House with Ryan Reynolds and. Um, Denzel, as well as the, the 2017 movie Life, also with Ryan Reynolds and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, among others. Um, now, uh, this uh, this I love, but we got to talk about this. So this is going to be written by the team of Matt Sazama and I shit you not, this is a real person, Burke Sharpless. Okay. Um, this is going to be a roller coaster. So they are responsible for Dracula Untold, which was kind of a miss. The Last Witch Hunter, which oh, no. I found really shitty. I mean, you're getting worse. Dracula Gods. Untold was better than Last Witch Hunter, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of in descending order for a while. Um, I know where you're going. I heard gods, so I already gods, knew it. gods of Egypt. Yep, Nikolai Kostrovold. I'm sorry if you if you've seen that. I I don't find anything redeeming about that movie uh however God damn jamie lannister being used in horrible ways oh i know i know it's so bad he's so good and what was he doing in that movie um but then they come out of that and they give us 2017's power rangers reboot which i Man. actually really dig still it's so i mean it's, it's okay uh it, like, it's okay granted, like, i don't granted, think it's like i will I will give you okay, but it was surprising and original, and I liked it. I fair, but is it redeeming of the other three? Is it like oh, completely, those three exist and this no. one exists? Okay, completely fair. no, but it does show improvement. Yes, absolutely, yes. And, improvement, and arguably shows improvement, that, which is not hard though. Yeah, <laughs> like it's um, not... and they are also. I don't know if anyone else um, has been watching this. They are heavily involved in writing for the Lost in Space show. Uh, oh. The resurgence of the Lost in Space show on Netflix. Interesting, because that's actually kind of good. So that is your creative team. Um, again, this is a, a a Spider-Man, modern Spider-Man universe movie from Sony, tangential to all of the MCU stuff. We still don't know, but yeah, we um, don't know how that's going to work. We're, again, we're going to see if it actually turns out to be a horror movie or what it really is, but. By all looks of it, it's it's being sh marketed that way, so that's why it's included here. So, closing thoughts for Morbius, closing thoughts for the show, Mike. What do you think? Um. So here's the thing with Morbius for me. Um. I don't mind the idea of what they're doing. Jared Leto looks like he's gonna kill it. He's a really good actor. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to do very good here. Um, I just don't know that we needed a Morbius movie. Okay. I, I still feel like I'm looking at this as a comic book fan. And I'm saying there is dozens of other Spider-Man related movies I would take before Morbius. Okay. And Morbius is cool. And we'll see how it goes. As a horror movie, I don't feel like it's going to function as much as we, like, as much as we might be including it here, I don't see it functioning as a horror movie. In, oh, I see. in terms of, like, actually being scary, actually having horror, you know, all that jazz that goes along with, like, a horror movie. Um, Yeah, I'm probably building that aspect up in my mind way too much um, as hope. But <laughs> I, I so I feel like the best shot we had at a horror movie in a actual like comic book movie since superhero movie um, was Derrickson doing uh, Multiverse of Madness. And mm-hmm. that got shut down, I guess, because he probably leaned too far into the horror for Marvel. That'd be my guess. I don't Disney. think we'll ever, no one will ever admit it, but I, that's my guess. Yeah, he wanted to do too much that was him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he wanted to do too much of his own thing, and they were like, "Yeah, we still got to market this to kids." Yeah, and they said no. Um, so that might be the closest we ever get. In these terms, they're still going to market this to Spider-Man fans. I don't see it really going full horror. Um, full horror, no. Again, it's PG thirteen. But if they're also looking at, um, we want we want to make a we want to draw in teenage fans who also like we want to give oh, it some Jared edge. Leto for that right Jared but, Leto but, is like the edgy star or whatever I don't know right but but, but we like we we want to we want to we want to make it seem alternative we want to make it seem edgy so by mar- at least marketing it as like a monster vampire you know horror type movie sure if it actually kind of has that tone to some degree you know who knows yeah, I mean, it, like, the marketing, I feel like they could push in one direction while the movie doesn't actually go that direction. <laughs> I Very feel like, they, you know, they could kind of lie in the marketing a bit. Fib, if you will. Yeah. Um. But, you know, like, for me, I feel like, and this is a personal thing, mm-hmm. what Jared Leto did with what we got to see I don't know if it was a reshoot or if it was old footage at the end of the Snyder cut Mm -hmm. that we just saw, what he did with the Joker at the end of that, that he didn't get to do before that. It's going to be hard for me to separate that. Okay. Because he did so well in that short bit at the end of the Snyder cut. It's going to be difficult for me to separate him from that character. Okay. Whereas, like, what he did in Suicide Squad as the Joker, I would just toss to the curb and not give a shit about. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the Snyder Cut, here's this amazing version of the Joker played by Jared Leto that I'm like, I need more of that. And we're probably never going to get it. And now no. I have to deal with him as Morbius. Which, <laughs> no offense to Morbius as a character, you're not the fucking Joker. Like, it's, no, like, <laughs> it's, it's just not... They're way different tiers. So, I I feel like there's so much more that I wish they could do with Jared Leto in the MCU 
that Sony kind of forcing him into that role of Morbius. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like it. And so like I'm I'm very on the fence about that. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um I mean it's obviously a film they want us to see. They're they're giving it a winter release if everything holds true and if you yeah. think about it if if that holds true, it's like a month like slightly over a month after Spider-Man. Yeah. So like they're they're trying to they're, ride well, that wave and I, I um, feel like they're trying to set up that whole they're going to take Spider-Man away from the MCU. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe that's it. It's like, okay, here's the next, here's the next building block. You know, we're gonna. Th- this is opportune timing. Uh, we had to delay this movie. Spider-Man three is gonna be out in December. Put it out a couple weeks later. Well, there you got Carnage, and then you've got Spider-Man, and then you've got Morbius. And if people follow in that line, Sony might have a thing there. If Tom yeah, Holland will sign on to just work with Sony, if Tom Holland doesn't sign on to just their movies. Mm-hmm. They're fucked. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> like, like I, I feel like if it's not the same Spider-Man, they're not gonna hold. Um, if but if in- if if we get, I doubt we will. But if we happen to get a, I don't even know if they'd be allowed. They probably could, but like if we get a spy, a, a Tom Holland or Spider-Man direct mention, maybe not even a cameo. Like think about it. Venom does not I mean, if, mention if Michael Keaton Spider-Man it, that's at direct, all. Like, if Michael Keaton is in it as Vulture, yeah. If he's the same character, that's a direct mention. If he's Tombs, I I yeah. I get it, and maybe that's the closest that they could get so far. Yeah, I agree. Like maybe maybe part of the Sony deal, we'll never know. We always say this for years now. Who the hell knows? It, what it, the fuck that it may have be been called. like while you know, for instance, while Tom Holland is cast in the role or something for these number of or, or for these number of movies that we're entering this agreement about. Spider-Man specifically like cannot be mentioned in your other movies, Sony. Yeah. Like they may have had that stipulation type of thing. So we'll again, like we always say on the show, we'll have to wait and see. But um I agree. Mm. Um all right, I guess that's as Brian likes to say, that's where we're gonna close it down, I suppose. Um sure. everybody, thank you for staying with us, writing this. Uh we hope you found it comprehensive and informative, and we all wish you all a very, very spooky 2021 season to come fall autumn halloween spooktober fest all of it enjoy it get your decorations out now make us proud uh if anybody wants uh, uh movie nights or viewing partners or dates for the theater for any of these hit either one of us up i'm sure we'll possibly consider it <laughs> yeah i mean there's a chance we'll consider it but you need to be cool. <laughs> just saying. If you're not cool, I'm not going. If you, you might have to uh, bribe Mike and buy his uh, buy his popcorn for him. Whoa, to, whoa, whoa, to get him out. Whoa, 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 whoa. To get him out of the house for some Charleston shoes only. There, okay, there you go. Everyone's got their price. Yeah, you need Charleston shoes. If I ain't got those, I'm not going. So you you know what it's going to cost you. Come find us, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to riding this season with you guys. Um, Thank you again for giving us the opportunity. Um, I don't have Brian's outline, so I know you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, the podcast, on all the streaming. Anchor FM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, all that stuff. 
You can find Brian at Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Brian with a or Bry with a Y on Twitch. Sorry, okay, I had to fill Andy. in for Andy. Yeah, yeah, you had to fill in. Okay, the Andy thing had to happen. <laughs> um, you can find him there on Twitch. If we ever happen to do a live show, you will find us there. But I don't know if we're ever doing another one again. Um, you can email the Gmail thing. He's not going to check it, so it doesn't matter what the email address is. Um, BG Super Friends on Twitter. And I think it's Bry Guy Super Friends on Facebook. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. I'm sure if you if you're Google over forty and you want to find guys us, super friends, you'll you'll find the things. That's how the internet works. We all know how this this happens, right? You know what? That's true. But like making sure people know that it's available to them. That's the important thing that we're doing here. Absolutely. If you, if we are not available on the platform that you want us to be available on, you're not hearing this right now. So fuck off. <laughs> no i'm kidding if we're not available on that platform and you happen to be hearing us somewhere else let us know and we will make sure that we find ourselves available on that platform somewhere in the future absolutely trying to get to uh, get, Brian, get, that's on get you. in that's as many ears as possible <laughs> uh well thank you guys again uh mike thanks for anchoring this with me too um we will hopefully see you guys in a couple of months with a 22 2022 update and uh here's to not losing another episode and here's to swimming with bow-legged women <laughs> thanks guys take care